Hey, boomers, just before we start, we've got a bit of an announcement to make. Here's a piece of exciting news. Mmm. We've said this on the socials already, but not on the podcast, so... What if you want to see our faces, but in 3D? <laughs> ooh, ah, ooh. And our spikes will be all going in the wrong directions in 3D. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, most bits of me go in the wrong directions these days. <laughs> if that's something you'd like to experience, then you can come and see us, mm-hmm. both of us, yep. in the same place, yep. at the Thought Bubble Comic yes. Convention in Harrogate on Saturday the 11th and Sunday the 12th of November. Mm, it's in about a month. Not long, but just enough time to get stuff sorted out and come and see us. Dave and Abby go to Thought Bubble every year. Yep, you can always see us there. And this year, well, goddammit, yeah. I'm coming along too. That's the thing. Basically, last year, enough people came up to our table and went, oh, STCTP. And I was like, oh, I, I kind of didn't expect this here. So we thought, well, let's make it a thing. So, boomers, if you want to come, we're going to be there. We're going to be enjoying ourselves anyway. We're going to be, we don't have our own table. We're at Abby's table. But, like, come and see us. Listen, it says Abby and Dave Boomer on yeah. the website. It's their table. Yeah. I'm the one freeloading. Yeah. He's just going to be there. And yeah. um, so, and you know, so come and see us. And when you do, I'll give Chris a ring if he isn't there. I can call him over, <laughs> or whoever whoever's gone off to look at the convention. We'll get together. We'll see you. Yeah, we'll come along, have a chat. We might have some stuff. There's a thing we might have. Yeah, not confirmed, but we might have an inexpensive souvenir for you to take home. Ideas are in play. Yeah, <laughs> we'll see. But the the Thought Bubble convention, basically, it's a comic convention that isn't the sort that's full of corporate stands like you would mm. normally expect. I'm sure. Sure, they're there somewhere, but the majority of it, to the extent that it's kind of famously all of it, is literally just people who've made their own comics and have brought them. And the thing is, these days, that's like top quality professional work. You're going to absolutely love the stuff they've got. And also, there are some people who staple them together and print them. Out. Whatever your proclivity is, if you want to see people's homemade comics, come to Thought Bubble. It's absolutely brilliant. And the whole UK comics industry are there for you to meet. So it's a good day out. You're going to enjoy it anyway. And if that's the sort of thing you might like, We'll be there, so come and say hi. So yeah, just to restate, that is the weekend of Saturday the 11th and Sunday the 12th of November in the Harrogate Convention Centre in, where else? Harrogate. Count them. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, boomers! Welcome to Sonic the Comic, the podcast, your source of 90s Sonic fun, and the only one not tainted by young people who care about all that stuff from when it was bad later. We're the humans who think we're in charge, and we will surge into your ears with the force of a tidal wave. Nothing will be able to live there for a hundred years. I'm Dave Bulmer. And I'm Chris McFeely, and I feel like you're so aggressive. <laughs> I used to think I was the aggressive one coming after the young people and the Americans, but at least I have the uh, common decency to spit venom when I do it, and you say it. You say it so politely. Like it's just a matter of fact. Yeah. Well, what is a matter of fact is that we are here with Sonic the Comic issue number 115, cover dated October the 28th, but released on October the 15th. October the 15th! Soon be Christmas. Uh, Yeah, It's Halloween now, and it's Christmas any day now. So what's in this issue? Let's see. Uh, Weird cover design, do you not think? Uh, I haven't thought about it. Go on, why? Well, it's... Okay, so the cover image, it's a Dobbin image Mm -hmm. of Sonic splashing through... The man himself, Megatox, who has not actually been revealed by the comic as the (laughs) villain of the strip yet, technically, but we'll come to that. 
And it's just the positioning of the text. It feels like it's covering up mm. the wrong parts of the image. Right. And uh, the bottom left corner, I thought there must... Oh, what was the free gift on this issue, I thought? Yeah. Because the bottom left corner is completely empty. Yeah. There's no text there, and it's negative space on the art. Yeah, it is really as if there is a, a free gift, but there's no mention of one. There is no, fr- there is no free gift. They didn't gift. say, or is there, Chris? Or is mm. there? Because check out my copy, Oh. and it's sellotape. Oh. Look at that. And it's it's oh. it's cut rather than torn, you know, because I'm old enough by this point to want to preserve my cover. But yes, there flipping was some sort of free gift, and there's no mention of it. But they know they didn't just put it on as it was yeah. leaving the factory because they've left a gap there. They've left a space there. Isn't that but interesting? But there's no free gift missing alert your news agent. Nope. No, this is pretty weird, dude. <laughs> yeah, right. Because there are multiple copies of it on YouTube, uh-huh. but not a one of them has a tape trace or even a, even the slightest tear. No, but I think we've got enough evidence here because you're right about the text. And there's, t- mm-hmm. I wouldn't have just put sellotape on an what, issue of what's Sonic. A, for what's the, the back look like? Show me the back. There's the tape and. And, and there's the tape. Didn't we ascertain that they had transitioned out of tape, though? Well, we were up to squidgy bits by now. Well, all right, yes, I agree with that. But, like, this has tape. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> uh, no, I'm not disputing the presence yeah. of tape. I'm just saying if there's some way it could have wound up there. But there's no mention of a free gift nope. last issue. No. Nope. No reference to any free gift on any wiki articles yep. anywhere. And most bizarrely, <laughs> there are multiple copies of this for sale on eBay right now. Yeah. And not a single one of them has any tape, any trace of tape, not even the slightest tear. Yeah. Which would be quite difficult to accomplish yeah. now that it's not a nice now coated it's... cover anymore. Yeah. It's now that it's matte recycled paper. Yeah. So we got a mystery here. Yeah. It's, I mean, it is. it is fully possible that through some sort of mishap, I put sellotape on a comic. I was sellotaping up someone's present for birthday or something, and I got a bit of tape on my comic, and rather than try and pull it off, I left it there and flattened it out and went, there we go. But I've then cut the middle of that out, which is how I've been removing free gifts that are sellotaped on. And I can still come up with reasons why that's inconclusive, but there's space for a free... The text is weirdly arranged. Yeah, this is it. (laughs) Because the text says, Uh Win a mega mountain bike and safety gear. Big spill, can Sonic stop the chemical rot? New story, hard luck, Tails gets grounded. And hard and tucked away in the corner as if to avoid the bottom left. Mm -hmm. Hard sell, Amy's locked up. An odd collection of texts because you get hard luck, hard sell, big spill. Big spill. Feels like it should have been a hard Mm, pun too. And it's particularly the big spill one feels like it's been positioned in such a way that it's really getting in the way of properly seeing Megatox. Yeah, they've had to really write a line, the text, so you can just get his eyes in. One word per line. It's six lines tall. Can Sonic stop the chemical rot in order to get it in there so you can see his face? And think, if they'd used this bottom left, what could they have put there? Hard cheese would have fit the hard things, and it's about there's a thing about making hard cheese in this issue. That is true, yeah. I was just thinking you would just move the hard luck down and move the big spill over to where that'd it be, was. That'd so. be more sensible, yeah. Yes. But <laughs> but that's weird to me as well. There's a thing about hard something in this issue, and they didn't use Some it. <laughs> fishies. Yeah, the one story that's actually specifically about the word hard mm. in context, yes. Some fishy going on here. Yeah. Yeah. 
So we'll have to see if we can find anything else out. If anybody out there has any mint copies of this with gifts still attached. Check your collections, boomers. Get in touch, definitely. And if we're able to find out anything about this before this episode goes out, we'll put it in right here. Nope. There's also a high-flying Sonic pinup inside. Oh, good. Hey. Wow, the sarcasm. <laughs> right, back cover is just that Ronnie Raspberry uh, Skittles advert again for the third issue on the trot. Yep. So let's head on inside for another vapid and empty control zone. Yes, but I preferred this one to the usual vapid and empty control zone because at least the text is small. So they're going on and on about <laughs> nothing for a long time. <laughs> Megadroid tells us about the mountain bike combo this issue. Yes, thanks to those generous humes at Sunpat. That that really surprised me. We'll get to that when we get to that. But like, Sunpat. <laughs> then we run through the contents of the four strips and the pinup, ending on the discussion of the Amy and Techno strip, which pricked my curiosity once again. Uh-huh. Amy and Techno are accused of being aliens in the Earthbound conclusion and are being held captive in an underground base. Remind me not to go near that vicinity. Is this? Mm-hmm. Another of the growing number of implications that Megadroid is an alien. Oh, I suppose so. I just took that to mean that he is on Earth. Sure, but that he wouldn't want. Oh, but it... then he would be held captive. No, I see what you mean. Absolutely, yes. absolutely I think possible you're right that it could just be a reference to him not wanting to go somewhere where nasty humes live. But, but I keep, I don't. Maybe I'm connecting dots that aren't there. But I think they think Megadroid's an alien. <laughs> yeah, he's a he's a robot. Look at him. <laughs> You see what it is. No, I've just noticed that the big Hey Boomers text that normally goes under the left of the drawing is missing. Oh, yeah. It does say Hey Boomers. In it the, does. It just says it up where it, where it used to say it. Yeah. Just like Dear Boomers, just up there indented <laughs> at the top of the, yeah. uh, like you would write a letter instead of underneath the uh, image. And then the other feature in the control zone is literally just, yes, there is a Sonic story, this issue. Let me remind you about it for a second time before you read it. Yeah. It's odd, isn't it? It is. They had nothing. But it's complimented, again, as has happened once or twice now, mm. uh, it is complimented by a piece of uh, of reader art. This will be why they did it. This kind of justifies it, almost, because here we have a uh, an environmentalism drawing that someone sent mm-hmm. in. So, fair enough, well, actually. Because you will recall that the theme of the current Sonic story is Sonic trying to stop a big explosion of Mega Mac that's going to pollute the Emerald Hill Zone. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, what we... Well... It's not an inherently anti-pollution image, is it? No. Well, not the image. Oh, I. Oh, yes. I've just. I've just looked at it more carefully. It's an election image. Yes, that's what I was. Yes, and of course, because it's 1997, so the election is a hot topic in the minds of all young Brits. Oh yeah. So what it is is they're just standing in a. They're just standing in a wood, basically. That's Tails, Sonic, and Amy standing in a wood. Yeah, but there's a banner up saying Sonic or Robotnik, and Sonic's in a brown suit, Mm -hmm. and Tails has got a red rosette, so Mm -hmm. he's Labour. (laughs) I guess Sonic must be conservative because he's blue. (laughs) I guess so. And uh, and Amy's got a, a sign that says, vote for no pollution. So a vote for Sonic, who is, of course... Labour <laughs> is a vote because <laughs> his best friend is, so presumably he is. Presumably, is, that, that that's how they're able to get along. Yeah, is a vote for uh, for no pollution. So yeah, that's an election campaign drawing. 
Mm. But nevertheless, it says vote for no pollution, so... So they've repurposed it here to just say, Slime mm. creatures made up of Dr. Robotnik's seriously poisonous Megamac are currently wreaking revenge on Sonic. Chemical factory about to explode. Can our heroes save the chemical plant zone? All will be revealed. See you over. And that is sent in the picture by Jessica Taylor of Gravenhurst, Bedfordshire. Well done, Jessica. I like how uh, pinky purple the control zone itself actually is. Hmm. <laughs> A purple box to go around that segment. Mm-hmm. And then the actual top banner is that pinky purple as well. Yes, you're right. Yeah. Very Mega Mac-ish. Yes. Summary. Crisis in the Chemical Plant Zone, Part 2. Written by Nigel Kitching, art by Richard Elson, and letters by Tom Frame. Deep in the chemical plant zone, Sonic and Tails watch as the Mega Mac creatures fuse together, revealing themselves to all be aspects of Sonic's old enemy, Megatox. He spent the years since his last encounter with Sonic learning to master his liquid abilities, and can now solidify his form, meaning he can pummel Sonic as well as drown and poison him. But Sonic's speed proves enough to win the day, as he's able to strike the solidified Megatox before he can revert to liquid form knocking him out. The day is saved, but Sonic's still not sure this wasn't all another attempt by the Marxio brothers to finish him off. I like how the reveal that it's Megatox <laughs> is that the purple slime men form a purple form a slime man. Form a larger purple slime oh, man. Yes. Oh, it's You're him. so visually distinct, mate. Oh, I see. You don't, you're the one that doesn't have legs. <laughs> I guess he does have the green eyeballs. In I his head, guess so that. I don't know where they came from. They travelled up from the. They were just floating around in the sea somewhere. They were in there somewhere, yeah. But uh, yes, so it's Megatox, and as we were, no, uh, yeah. we said it last issue. We didn't, we didn't play the game, you know. Yeah, we were, yeah, it's no... like it was always clearly Megatox, but it's just nice to see him again. Yeah. I always liked him, and it was nice to see him come yeah. back. And uh, we know that Kitching included him in the story. Because uh, his son liked him and wanted to see him back again. Whereas Kitching sort of communicates his own feelings about the character through the dialogue here, where Sonic <laughs> sees him fuse and goes, Oh, yeah, you're. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Mr. Tox. It's Mega Tox, you idiot. <laughs> Kitching did not think of this guy as anything more than a one and dumpster. No, I guess not. We, we were fond of him, weren't we? Always. Yes, Mega Tox was as memorable to me as it was to Nigel's son. I guess. Um, yeah. I guess it's because it's from the games. It's Mega Mac, isn't Mega it? Mega Mac, sure. And it came right on the heels of the big Sonic Origin time travel, mm. time change two-parter. Uh, it was the first story post the establishment of that new status quo. Right, yeah. Absolutely, it's memorable, you know. So, well, yeah. So I guess in Nigel's head, he was, oh, well, I'm just doing a normal issue now. I've, ju- I've just done what I know is a, an elevated kind of two-parter. Now I'm just doing a normal one. Whereas to us, it was like, no, no, now we're having some comics. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, the idea really seems like Megatox is stuck in this vat in the depths of the chemical plant zone. Like, he can't get out, it seems like. But as I recall, the previous story ended with Sonic spraying him across got- the countryside. Yeah, 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 that's what happened, yeah. And that's what he wants. That's what he wants. He wants to be sprayed out into the countryside. I love, on page three, Elson's use here of small inset panels mm. to show... The hypothetical futures happening in Megatox's imagination. Yes. And it's because he doesn't usually use this kind of layout that it makes in- intuitive sense to the reader as being that. He's talking about, I'm going to do this, and then I'm going to do that. And there are these little overlapping panels showing you it. 
And you just accept that as the future. Yeah, of him bursting out of the tank. I will surge into the Emerald Hill Zone with the force of a tidal wave. And we see this shot of this huge wave of Megamax sweeping over the Emerald Hill Zone yeah. with him riding the crest yeah. of it. He is the crest. Big Hexus vibes. <laughs> yeah. I will poison the rivers, the land. Your zone will become dead. But first, as I said, I will destroy you. <laughs> he has spent years growing, increasing his strength. Now he's charged with thousands of volts of electrical power. Yeah. And as his energy level increases, an explosion will be triggered. So that does confirm our observation from the end of last issue, which is that, yes, the Mega Mac is all electrified and Sonic and Tails can't go down into the Megamac in the bottom of this chamber they're stuck in. They have to swing from chains and stand on these little mm. pieces of machinery and outcroppings and everything in order to achieve anything. And when Megatox punches him, or punches things, punches the ground, there's this big crack and it's like lightning goes out. It's like he's punching using electricity, which I thought it was. Well, I'm not sure if he's meant to be creating an electrically charged zap or if that's just an impact flash. Well, exactly. Because of the crack and because of the, the colour of the flash, yes, I thought it was a flash at first, mm. and as in, as in, I thought lightning was running through him so he can punch you with electric shocks, but it isn't that. No, it's not that. Because he is actually turning solid for some reason. Yes. he's Well, you see, he's harnessed the power of electricity. Oh, right. So that means that a liquid can now be a solid. There you go. Yep. Okay. All right. <laughs> I don't. I don't really know why that is. No. Nope, can't um, say. It's, I'm not sure. Of the, I'm not sure of I the science behind that one. It's more like non-Newtonian fluid, but backwards. You know <laughs> the that, way. I, I never interpret. Absolutely. You know that I read the line. I have now harnessed the power of electricity, and I can strike, and then a big. Yeah, impact flash. And yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, absolutely. You see why I thought that? Yeah, one hundred. It didn't occur to me, but. That would make so much more sense if that's what it was. But, of course, in the very next yeah. panel, Sonic's like, so you can dish it out, but let's see if you can take it. And he goes for Mega Max, swings at him on a chain, but he just passes right through him, and he says, I don't have to take it in shop, not as long as I can revert back to my liquid Mega Max form. What mm. a fantastic panel, by the way. Yeah, I, mean, yeah. I mean, Sonic himself, notwithstanding. Sonic wrongness, notwithstanding. <laughs> but, but look at that. Oh, that looming yeah. Megatox in the background there with his, his hands up. God, I mean, it's it's a Elson's drawing a cartoonier Megatox than I feel like issue 10 delivered. But uh -huh. the cartoonishness is really bringing out the expressiveness of the character. Yeah. He's really playing to his own strengths here. The, the art in this issue is great. Oh, yeah. Look, I don't know that... I don't remember if it was the case in issue 10, but look how the top of his head looks like exposed brain. brain. Yeah, it does. Oh, yeah. yeah. I never noticed that until, you were, until I anticipated the next word in the sentence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does. That's really cool. And Sonic uh, is not doing well because it's, uh, it is the chemical specifically designed to poison him. You know, all in thought balloons, of course. Would never say it out loud to Tails. No, no, no. It's always been ambiguous what that means. A, a chemical specifically designed to poison him. Like, him, like it's to do with him. Sonic the Hedgehog will be poisoned by it. Well, yes, he just specifically, you know, Sonic's bio scans. Yeah. And just figured out what would most be effect, like kryptonite. Yeah, it's like, it is. And do we all have an antidote to us? Oh, is there something that we're all, yes, yeah, specifically vulnerable to? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's not what allergies are. <laughs> there you are, yeah. But simply what Sonic does is he stays in one place long enough, thinking to himself, of course, that there is only one chance if it doesn't work, I'm through. 
uh, which is that he just waits for just using his speed just a moment before Megatox's fist collides with him, zips around it, and beans him in the face before he can even <laughs> think fast enough to go solid again. And uh, then all the energy restored for the purposes of appearances for Tails says, Oh, it's simple, buddy. All I had to do was hit him before he had a chance to turn liquid. Yeah, creeps like him always have a glass jaw. And he, uh, he yeah, he falls unconscious. So yeah, so like, I love that when you knock a liquid creature out, he lands as a big puddle. <laughs> Just turns into a big puddle, yeah. <laughs> oh, and also, oh, and, and Rich has given us a couple of last bubbles coming up out of it. A yeah. Universal visual that always works. And then we get our last page epilogue where the Marxio brothers have come in, cleaned up the place, and sealed Megatox in a reinforced tank. Never to be seen again. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I can't, we can't really do it's that time again because it was weird that he came back even <laughs> yeah. one time. <laughs> and we get this bit where Sonic is like, admit it, Groucho, this was another plan by you Marxio brothers to get me. Oh, you're my favorite hedgehog. We wouldn't know that to you. I haven't forgotten the time you tied me to the tracks of a roller coaster. <laughs> no footnote for that one, but no. we're talking way back in STC number 18 there, kids. <laughs> <laughs> Megadroid. <laughs> Tails is like, they could be telling the truth. And Chicky was like, we're on the level. We're going to turn the chemical plant zone into a great success. I enjoyed the final speech bubble on this page a lot. Uh, this is where Sonic says, Okay, okay, so maybe you tried to kill me and maybe you didn't. Man, it almost makes you miss Robotnik. At least when he was around, you knew who the bad guys were. Love that. I enjoy that a lot. Because it, it, what it does is it helps to solidify an angle on what the comic's actually been struggling to nail down recently, which is what do you do with an, an anti-fash hero when the fash has been defeated and you're continuing their comic series? And it says, you have to worry, you have to be alert, because now the bad guys are harder to pin down. They're harder to identify on site. They can deny ever having been on Robotnik's side in the first place baddies can be subtle now and i think that speech balloon does a good little bit to i think you're ascribing more meaning to it than it is intended well maybe intended but that's what it does for me it's like yeah okay yeah it is harder to tell who the baddies are i liked it when it was easier (laughs) and it ends with a nice big gooey pink mega mac globular and splattered at the end of the art, which is very fantastic is it and this is the last appearance of the marxios oh is it right again it it feels like we can't eulogize the marxios because again it was weird that they came back you know like what was it's been 70 issues since we saw them last you know right but they've come back with a really interesting new angle that i think could have been done things with so that is a shame to hear that they don't they don't come back, they don't play on this. I don't mind it, because they they are all such smiles in their final panel there. Mm-hmm. I want to believe them. I, I, believe, yeah. I believe that they are genuinely here to make the chemical plants own a success. They've turned around, and this is the end of their story. It's all good. This is the happy ending that the Marxio brothers get. Oh, good for them. Oh, it yeah. never occurred to me they would have a happy ending, actually. No, didn't really. You know, not in the console war days. But, you no. know, that's that's <laughs> just... I was going to say that's over and done with now, but of course it's not, but it is. For Sega, yeah. Yeah. it is. It's yeah. 1997. Sorry, lads. You're going you're gonna to cling on for a few more years there yet, but sorry. <laughs> yeah. So Sonic grumpily makes peace with Mario. <laughs> feels like a feels like a, the only ending you could truly achieve whenever you're doing yeah. Sonic versus Mario parody antagonistic stories like this. They find their niche to occupy in this world, and Sonic's like, well, I'll tolerate you. God, I t- never thought about how final that is, but now I look at it. I don't know if this that Elson's drawn here, I don't know if it's a, just a bit of illustration, or if they're about to walk out of this sort of almost circular 
exit thing, or if that's just like the equivalent of an iris out, but it, it has the effect of a sort of iris out. It feels final. That and the circular panel that it's in. Mm. Very final. And then the next issue box f- bangs. <laughs> Crisis of the Chaos Emeralds. Yes. Whoo! Yes. Give me that. Yeah. Yes. Excitement ahead. If the Dave and Chris of a few episodes ago had known that next issue Crisis of the Chaos Emeralds was about to come up, do you know what I mean? We'd have felt yeah. so much better about that one issue. Well, here, okay, <laughs> I do want to take a moment again, because uh-huh. we were talking last issue about how after what we've been going through recently with the comic, last issue and then the second part of the mm-hmm. story have come along and been like, no, there are still stories here that are written for people who remember the past, who yeah. remember Megatox, who remember the Marxios, who remember whenever they tied Sonic to a railroad track. Now there's a big Chaos Emerald story coming mm. up, whatever that's... I mean, they haven't been, like, plot relevant since, like, what? Dr. Zachary? I mean, the, the mm. Chaos Emeralds themselves haven't really been relevant since the Sonic 3 adaptation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ages ago. Whenever Robotnik seized their power and turned Tails to Glass. You know, it's mm-hmm. all been about the Master Emerald since then. Yeah. But... It was a sort of realization I had reading this and, and thinking back to, because um, at time of recording, the most recent released episode was the bad issue. Mm-hmm. Um, it occurred to me as I read this, and I thought back to our interview with Nigel Kitching in issue 100, where to him, he never felt like issue 100 marked a before and after. Mm-hmm. And it's really becoming clear to me why that is. I feel we talked yeah. about this a little bit more during the original Dracon story, but I've realized it now reading this. The level at which Kitching wrote never changed. Mm-hmm. It was the rest of the comic that changed around him. Yeah. So, of course, no wonder he didn't see the difference mm. from his point of view as a writer, as a creator, in the before and after 100. Because the level to which he wrote mm. and the audience who he wrote for, it didn't change. Yeah. It was the rest of the comic that did. That really clicked for me. It, a lot of things fell into place. Like so That's why he feels that he can still write stories like this now mm, yeah. when we're about to turn the page and see another example of the sort of <laughs> stuff we've been talking about. Um, Kitching remains consistent in the work that he does. Uh, r- regardless of what anyone's personal opinions might be of the uh, subject matter in the stories, of the way the stories will be told, whatever you may think of the Dracons or whatever you may think of how STC wound up adapting Sonic Adventure, irrespective of that, the the level, is what I'm saying, to which he wrote, that remained consistent while the strips around it veered younger. So I feel like as long as there's kitchen content to look forward to, we won't have to have a depressing episode again. No, and there always is, because kitchen ends it. Yeah. So we're all right. <laughs> but what I will also say is, uh-huh. you seem very keen to, but I make absolutely no apologies for saying it's bad that the comic changed. Oh, yeah. Yeah, imagine what we could have had if we could have had another two years of highest level STC. Yeah, this is it. It really would have been fantastic. Even if we just had the extra pages to have news and reviews. Mm. I, I feel like if they'd never had to lose the news and yeah. reviews, yeah, that the rest of the comic wouldn't have... See, again, you felt like you, you wanted to ascribe the change to being a purposeful one. Mm. Whereas I feel like it was just sort of something that happened without anybody getting together around a table and issuing instructions. Right. I feel like it was just something it slipped into being 
without truly setting out to do that. And I feel like if it had managed to keep the news and reviews in the Q zone, hmm. that it might not have happened because the magazine would have held that position as a sort of video games comic and not just a comic about Sonic. And all of this wouldn't have had to happen if Sega had got their flipping act together and not laid out a big steamy pile for this generation of consoles. You know, imagine if there'd have been a good Sonic on Saturn. We'd have been fine. I'd love a little peep into the alternate universe, honestly, yeah. where, where, yeah. where that had happened, you know. Mm. Would it all have been better? Or would Sonic have simply started going downhill a couple of years early? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. That's the question. These are the questions. <laughs> but enough questions. Let us move on to... Tales. Weather Beaten. Written by Lou Stringer, art by Carl Flint, colours by John M. Burns, and letters by Ellie DeVille. Weather gerbil Windy Wallace is back, with a new plan to wreak havoc on Mobius with her weather control machine. And Tails can't do anything to stop her, since he's sprained his tails and can't fly up to her airship. Luckily, handyman Roger Bodge is on the job, providing our hero with a homemade helicopter. Like all Roger's inventions, it falls to bits, but the debris crashes into Windy's airship and puts a stop to her plan. Um, I mean, it's another tail strip, isn't it? Yeah, this it is... is uh... One of the more babyish tail strips of late. Rescued, as with uh, that Max Gamble strip from a couple of issues ago, by showing me things I recognise. <laughs> like uh, we knew Wendy Wallace was in it because Megadroid yes. mentioned her at the in the control zone. Yes. So it was a very genuine surprise and a pleasant surprise to see Roger Bodge <laughs> from yeah. like what, issue 103, something like that? Uh, yeah, Pop yeah. back up. Roger Bodge, the crap handyman. Yeah, but I don't know, it feels a bit more recent than that, but then I always think that, don't I? Yes, that Is was it? the one where he had his little house that he'd put together. And yeah. uh, I laughed at some of the jokes. I think I liked the cats and dogs riff that was going on. I think it went on a little too long. Well, it's rule of three. You've got to do a third one, isn't That's you? true. Yeah, fair enough. Um, but it felt like a one joke. <laughs> but then when they did a second one, the law necessitated that a third one be made. We find out the weather's going weird because Tails is like, at least it's a nice day for a walk. And then suddenly, pouring rain. And he goes, oh, it's raining cats and dogs. And objection is taken to this by a cat and a dog who are sheltering under a, a hollowed out log. And then that carries on. The cat says that Windy is absolutely barking mad. And the dog complains about that. Don't you start. And then as, uh, as Tails goes away when it's sunny again. Tail says, uh, I better do something or this heat will roast us alive. And the dog goes, no jokes about hot dogs, please. Uh, yeah, Wendy is out to make the people of Mobius pay for her defeat. She yes. says she will... I mean, I can't even imagine how, how this would be a thing that could possibly happen. No. Subject the planet to extreme temperature changes. Weird idea. Where would you even get such a concept? I don't know. The biggest laugh for me, though, yeah. was when Tails is like, oh, never mind, if I can't fly with my Tails, I'll just go to my plane. Oh, it's been clapped. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's Stringer's thinking there. He knows kids know Tails has a plane. Yeah. So it's just one panel to just also take it out just of the equation. And it's not really, it doesn't matter why. There's no explanation given. It doesn't even say he's parked badly or anything. It's just bean clamped. And that's such a little beano town. Like, we all recognise that. Like, oh, yeah. oh it's been clamped. His plane's been clamped. That's I love that. It only just occurs to me right now, of course. It's we've seen the plane in recent issues, that one with the Tantaroar. But um hey, the plane. Remember it blew up? Supersonic? Yeah. 
I remember it blew up, and I remember us being confused about what the state of it was. I feel like something else happened with it as well that made us go, what? Maybe it was the Tantaroar story that made us think about it. I don't remember. Oh, no, no. Uh, they, Tails flew Sonic out to Flicky's Island on it as well, didn't he? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, uh, plane's fine, anyway. Just uh, Plane's if, fine. If we haven't commented on it before, plane's fine. Listen, we don't know where he got it from in the first place. This is true. So, we don't know where he's got it from this time. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, right. Carl Flint art not up to much this issue gotta say it up front he has found himself drawing characters designed by other artists and boy can you tell he's found himself having to draw richard elson's windy wallace and corona's roger bodge Hmm. with no attempt to find a middle ground because his tales is it's just the model sheet adventures cartoon design tales but sort of rounded the the, the hair flick are kind of round which is the it is odd and sort of sausagey look to them you can see all the elsony and corona e flares in the character designs of bodge and windy and the coloring's not great either it's 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 not a great looking strip tales himself is what makes this feel a bit more babyish than usual, I think. Something about the way he looks. Yes, he's got a real squishy baby look. Yeah. Yeah, and the size of him. It just. Uh, uh, what am I thinking of? I don't mean that he should be small. I'm talking about his size on the page. In page one, he's so big. You can only fit four of him on a page, and then the page is full. And that, that something about that, plus putting him with this acorn green Dr. Owl <laughs> and things... It feels like it's pitched young, even though the stuff about clamping and the... Oh, and we haven't even mentioned the helicopter that yes. uh, Roger builds. That's a, It's a toilet. He's just put a toilet. It's a toilet with jet engines and a propeller, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that's uh, that's, for, that's for whoever, right? Those jokes are for whoever. Sure, yeah. That, that, but that's somehow... A, listen, toilet is a timeless gag. <laughs> exactly. Ageless, timeless, classless. We all think toilets are funny. I would like to believe that you pull the flusher to yeah. start the propeller. <laughs> so it goes. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah. Sure, you pull it. It's got to make a flushing sound, so it's going to go. <laughs> and whenever the propeller spins, it's obviously got to go. <laughs> <laughs> That's just the noise a toilet helicopter would make. Yeah. Like a <laughs> fart from an arse. <laughs> like a noise out of a bum so yeah so the fact that this feels pitched younger i'm not sure why though and and so it must be something to do with how cuddly tails looks i don't know Uh, the the art is part of it sure but also sprained tails and (laughs) the very fact that that there's even a body feels incidental because like dodge's helicopter falls apart tails is left clinging on to the shaft with the propeller on the top of it Mm -hmm. and then the flaming toilet itself crashes into (laughs) wendy's thing they they fall to the ground as the propeller gives out but they land in a nice soft snowdrift that she's created mm-hmm. and hooray the day is one wendy wallace makes a grumpy face and a joke you, me- you remember whenever sonic beat her she disappeared as a rampaging tornado whirled her off into the infinite distance and here she's just sitting in a pile of snow huffy can we, can we, can we get her in jail please could somebody <laughs> slap the cuffs on and the stringer stinger is another groaner like the doctor owl says the doctor owl is here and says to tails oh well done even with your sprain tails you were still able to defeat windy and seems to be reaching out to shake his hand like you well done my one of my patients listened to me (laughs) and didn't spin their tails um and windy is there head in her hands down a fraggle rock kind of expression (laughs) on her face saying gah do you have to make such heavy weather of it yeah Heavy weather. 
Presumably that's a phrase that Presumably another generation so. used to I read say. it and I was like, yeah, fine, sure, whatever. Next issue, an extra Sonic story called Hot Legs. Oh, right. I look forward to that then. Sunday for the dads. <laughs> yeah, not... Uh, nice to see Wendy and Roger again. That's really, yeah. that's really the only thing that makes this strip worth commenting on to me. Roger feels like he's more generally important to the shape the story takes than Wendy is. Like, it could have been any flying body. I suppose it could have been, yeah. Doing anything up there. Yeah, although you do need that snowdrift at the end, I suppose. Well, again, you can write around that to any extent, but Roger yeah. Bodge's crappy homemade toilet. Toilet copter. Crappy homemade, what I meant to say. <laughs> Roger Bodge's crappy homemade helicopter is kind of like the, the point of the story, almost. Because it's about it's really about tails not being able to fly and having to find an alternative. Yeah. Now, so that's what that perhaps that's where Lou's started. What if tails couldn't fly? And if so, yes, that's, everything yes. else that spins off from that is is like, oh, all right, cool. That's an interesting set of things to have thought of to fill this story up with. Yeah, and and it's simply nice to see see them drawn from STC. Just to have Lou just jangle the keys in front of me <laughs> for five pages and be like, yeah, hey, this, I, I recognize that. <laughs> Oh god, that's what we do, isn't it? That's what this podcast is. It's us jangling keys while old people listen and go, Oh, I remember that. Yeah, do you remember Skittles? <laughs> Much as we'll now do next on this <laughs> page of adverts. Just a Know your Nicktoons. And this is labelled number, number 13. 13. Yes, we haven't had any others, so that's no, either a joke. Do. Or the others have been in other publications. Little fact files on Nickelodeon characters. Oh, Chris is delighted. Little fact file. Love a little fact file. And this is a fact file on... Angelica Pickles from Rugrats. She's mean. She's moody. She's every baby's nightmare. That's it. That's the fact file. That's it. That's where it (laughs) stops, yeah. (laughs) Watch her on Rugrats at 4.30 every weekday afternoon on Nickelodeon, the satellite and cable channel for kids. It's less of a fact file and more of a fact. <laughs> Three facts. Yeah, I suppose. Which together make up one large fact. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they come under the umbrella of a single fact, don't they? <laughs> Angelica, you wouldn't like her. <laughs> no, Rugrats was on Live and Kicking by this point. Yes, surely. must be. 1997? When did Live and Kicking start? I think that Live and Kicking started all of 1993 ago because it was when it was what immediately replaced Going Live, and I'm pretty sure that ended in '93. Here we go now. We have to check. You're correct. '93. Uh, yeah, yeah. It looks like Rugrats was on Live and Kicking from pretty much the start. Oh, just had a little wave of sadness there, thinking about how Live and Kicking used to be on at Christmas and Going Live used to be on at Christmas. You'd have a Christmas episode, and now they've got nothing, have they? They haven't got one of these anymore, Chris. Well, they, they have a whole channel for it now, Dave. Oh, yeah, but it hasn't got one of these on it, has it? Or has it? I, I ought mean, to find out what they have on Saturday mornings on CBBC channel or whatever. I don't know. Is that when Hacker the Dog is on? Well, he, yeah, but yeah, but that's just the broom cupboard. I want a show. I want a big show like this, like going live, like live you and You want kicking. a live studio audience is basically what you're saying. Yes, I do. And I want, yes. Yeah, frankly, I do. And I want it to be a big production and go on for hours. I don't want a live studio. At the age of 41, I don't want uh, a live studio audience of children. It would only annoy me. No, I don't, but I want kids to be able to have it. <laughs> I want them to. I am sad for them that they don't have these. But kids today, I don't think they want it. I don't think no. kids today... 
Listen, no. listen, nostalgia, hell of a drug and all that. <laughs> Can you sit there and say to me, you turned on live and kicking and just left it on. I never flipped to the other side in between Ooh. the cartoons to watch the cartoons on the other side. Because Ooh. that is what you were really there for. Yeah. Yeah, whenever they brought Bross on and had him in yeah. interview, do a little them. phone in interview. I'm bit. not, I'm not no. watching that. Yeah, this is it. You know, kids just today can just have the cartoons if they want them. Yeah, they don't have to put up with the chart rundown in between or whatever. No, indeed. Or the phone in video game. Left, 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 left. Golden bone. We don't have to deal with that anymore. Well, I don't know. We quite like that bit. <laughs> yes, but that, but, but yeah. no child would. <laughs> That sub-mobile game quality yeah. played over your phone. They can play other games with their phones now. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah they were, that was literally... Things are better now, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Asterisk. Except for Sonic. Um, <laughs> <laughs> except we're 40. Yeah, except for my knees. <laughs> Everything else is better now. I found a way that I can't move my finger anymore, by the way, yesterday. Oh, it hurts if you do that. Yeah, it's, it's just this. It's just if I move my finger down there. I used to do that idly, and it just slightly hurts there, so I know it's going to hurt a lot in the next few years. Well, as the old joke says, I went to the doctor and said, it hurts when I do this. <laughs> and the doctor said, well, don't do that anymore, then. Yeah. That's that's it. The, the don't do that anymore's have started to encroach. That's the problem. <laughs> And uh, and yeah, no, I guess I can't justify it, but I am sad the kids don't have this because oh, it was so nice, live and kicking. But it was only nice because we had so little else. There was nothing else. Yeah, <laughs> I could have I could have gone and played Sonic Three, and I think I did. And in between the cartoons. If it even was, I bet, I bet I'd already stopped watching this stuff and was just playing Sonic 3. In between Rugrats. This is an ad for Rugrats. <laughs> yeah, Rugrats. I didn't care about Rugrats. I would have been playing Sonic 3 during Rugrats. Like, Rugrats was a funny show that I actively remember that there was a point where mm -hmm. I was like, oh, every episode of this is the same. Oh, really? Yeah. Where I was like, oh, what real world situation or object yeah. will the babies mistake for something that it is not this time? <laughs> and I'm not uh -huh. saying, you know, I'm joking when I say every episode was the same. Maybe there was just a big run of Rugrats yeah, episodes well. that followed that formula. Or maybe that genuinely was every Rugrats episode. I think that's the, I think that's the premise. Yeah. But I, I remember thinking at one point that is like, oh, what, what, no. <laughs> For God's sake, yeah. will somebody just watch these children? <laughs> Hang on, yeah, wait a minute. Couldn't couldn't make Rugrats now. No. You get child services on the you. Episodes would end after five minutes whenever the parents <laughs> came in and picked them up, you know. Hard cut to the credits. Don't stop. Stop letting that baby carry a screwdriver around in its nappy. <laughs> And that is all there is to say about that, because this whole page is literally a giant picture of Angelica Pickles and then it, and the Nickelodeon logo. You're supposed to watch a Nick... It doesn't really actively specifically say what Nickelodeon is, but I understand it was a Sky Channel. It says it's a satellite and cable channel for kids. It says yeah. it right there. Oh, it does. I, I, was, I was ignoring that chunk of text because it was an advert. <laughs> and I was looking for advertising, and I ignored that. It's funny that this is the first ad we've seen for Nickelodeon, though, when I think about it. Because obviously we know Nickelodeon's been around for ages. Do we? And is it? Sure. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, remember we used to have reviews for Ren and Stimpy and, and Our yes. Real Monsters, and they talked about how Nickelodeon existed. But did it exist in the UK? Yes, it did. It did. Okay. All right. 
Yeah, it is weird then. And uh, now, finally, on the heels of the Disney Channel for a mm. long time. Where'd the Disney Channel ads go, eh? Well... Couldn't move for Disney Channel yeah. ads for a while there, for the past year. And now we get ads for Fox Kids and Nickelodeon instead. That's actually genuinely fascinating to me to think yeah. for a minute how much these are now encroaching in the into the normosphere. <laughs> well, exactly, because we thought the Disney Channel was going to be the exciting kids' channel on... And, I mean, do you remember back in those days as well, there was also the children's channel, which sounded promising to children at the time. But neither of those really took off. Like, here, I mean, obviously, Disney Channel is a thing. Well, it was a thing. But it wasn't the thing we thought it was going to be, which was this. We thought it was going to be stuff like this, like exciting yeah, new cartoons. cartoons round the clock. Well, I mean, yeah. I'm sure Nickelodeon had things other than cartoons on well they must have done what surprised me about this is it says it's on 4 30 p.m every weekday afternoon now in those days that was a lot what every day that's true very good point yeah but looking at it now i'm like that's not very much what else have they got on they're only putting one of these on once a day it's Nickelodeon. How many cartoons have they even got at this stage? Well, you know what it used to be with those things? It's probably like that's when the new episode airs. Uh, and then it's repeated like maybe at nine. And then it's repeated the next morning at eight as well. That really know? was. That used to be how things worked. Like That was what Sky TV did that I remember thinking was alien and weird and like borderline scary. Like imagine living like that. Just watching the same episodes of something day in, day out constantly all the time he says as he rewinds the same video he's watched a million times like but um that did used to bug me as a as a model <laughs> but this is still five to six years yeah. it's a good six years before i would get sky yeah and i i find it very frustrating to know that programs i wanted to watch were yeah. on sky yeah and not anywhere else the party's going on without us because it made me angry to think that this was treated as the normal place to put this stuff yeah no it's not no it's not it's proper broadcast television is where it should be yeah i mean i can remember the time when i eventually slid away from watching all that star trek i used to watch in the 90s was because my friends were starting to get sky tv and i was like the last one who got it because i got it in 2013 <laughs> and um oh wow i got 20, 2003 i think but so they'd be talking about like oh have you seen the new episode of ds9 or enterprise and no i haven't i've never seen enterprise it's literally not on yet you're two seasons ahead of ds9 so i just stopped caring and mm. it just kind of and that was what was happening around now sky tv was actually becoming like the place where the real tv was and we were getting the dregs over on mm. terrestrial lovely well, it was a slow creep. Mm, yeah. But it's know. not as if it ever fully landed where it's like, okay, yeah, now terrestrial TV is not a thing and Sky TV is like, as that was happening, TV was changing and it was. Oh, yeah, because you. Everything started getting packaged with Freeview. You would have a Freeview box and then your new TV would have Freeview just automatically in it. And so, yeah, you just started having these channels without necessarily having to actually get a Sky dish or anything like that. Yeah, just checking it here. Uh, uh, it was phased out and replaced by digital terrestrial mm. television across between 2007 and 2012. Yeah. So, you know, still 10 full years. After yeah. where we're talking about yeah, here right yeah, now, you yeah. know. And I know for a fact that the Disney Channel was not just a standard channel. We've talked about this yeah. before, you know. Like, um, when we got Sky in, as I say, 2003, the, mm -hmm. it wasn't... You couldn't just turn it on. That was a separate one you had to pay more for. <laughs> right. But that, that stopped being a thing after all. Of course, now the Disney Channel doesn't exist anymore at all. I No, I think it does. I feel like I heard it does recently. And I was like, what? Like, it was like... New series of something premiering on the Disney Channel. I was like, what? Not Disney Plus? Feel like that happened. 
Now, was it in the UK? Don't know. Well, that's it. No, because it's definitely closed in the UK. It closed right. two years ago. Right. Three, oh. years, three years ago. Oh, well, I mean, I could be thinking of three years ago. Yeah. <laughs> Makes sense. There's no, no reason for it to exist now. Well, that's a whole other discussion about the nature of streaming and, yes. and the way streaming is just turning back into regular television again. I would agree with the sentiment a little more if brand new episodes of things were being put up on Disney Plus internationally, globally, the day after they aired on American television. Mm. Which they aren't. And that continues to annoy me because that's what that service should be used for. And if you're interested in this sort of discussion, stick around to the end of the episode, boomers. Yeah, because Disney Channel still exists in America. And to my mind, if they're doing it right, the way Netflix would put up the next episode of Better Call Saul or whatever they do it with now, I don't know, the day after it aired in America, that's what Disney should be doing with all the new programs, not waiting until there are five or ten of them to drop them in a little block or whatever. But that's part of the problem with the sheer, bizarre way American broadcast television works, where they'll just they'll just not have an episode for a couple of weeks. Yeah. And that's, you know, back during the days of Lost, that's when we learned that simultaneous broadcasts do not fly in the United Kingdom. <laughs> Because they tried that for a little while. They tried to be like, oh, we're going to show it the same week as it airs in America. Mm-hmm. British audiences do not cotton to, yeah, this just, this just, this is not just not having an episode this week. No, it's, uh, <laughs> it's sweeps. We've got to save them for sweeps. <laughs> you know, just show the f- program. You made the program. Show the f- program. <laughs> Bold statements here on STCTP. <laughs> Make TV, just show it, mate. And that was an ad for Angelica from Rugrats. <laughs> Pin up. Uh, it's I don't I don't love this one. Honestly. You're not into this. I like no, this. I'm not really into it. What's the matter? It's I just find it boring. It, it, this is yeah. the first panel of the aforementioned Sonic strip about Sonic and Tails meeting the little baby Tantaroar. And it's Sonic riding on the biplane in the way that they do. Sonic up on the wings, Tails in the cockpit. He's shielding his eyes from the sun like an intrepid explorer. Tails is looking down, doing his steering. It just doesn't look like a pin-up to me. It's Sonic and Tails are so tiny and Tails so obscured. Mm. It's not a piece of art that was really well suited to being turned into a pin-up. So much empty space. It is transparently blown up from a very small piece of mm-hmm. art, isn't it? It doesn't look like pixelated like they no, sometimes no. can, so it's a very high-res scan. They've and I, I wager they actually re-scanned it specially, but it was not drawn to be done this with, and no. so it has... It's not a criticism of it as a piece of art, you understand. I think it's a lovely piece of art, it's yeah. It's a lovely piece of art, for goodness sake. Richard Elson lines with Nigel Dobb in colours, Jesus Christ. Oh my God. More pinups like that, please and thank you. But it's just, it's just, it's a panel out of a comic that yeah. doesn't seem composited in such a way to make a very exciting looking pinup. And they've flipping well gone and put a graphic zone style comment in the corner, high flying Sonic and Tails, which they've done in such a big font. It, it, it covers up the entire like left to right of one side well, of the no, page. It covers up nothing. No, it covers nothing. It's just massive. And that's why they've done it, because they they clearly realised this is such an empty image. They had to put something there to fill up some of the space, create a bit of visual interest. I disagree with that. I think if that hadn't been there, the fact that it was a cloudscape would have been something. It would have been interesting in some way. If that hadn't been there, Mm -hmm. I would have expected this to be zoomed in even further so that the plane actually filled the double page spread. Okay. Well, why didn't they do that then and not put such a huge tie? High-flying Sonic and Tails! I know who they are! I've put a poster above them! I don't need that! You have a... you have a... 
It does elicit strong emotions in you, doesn't it, does. it? Whenever a poster puts a name on the poster. It's not when a poster puts a name on a poster. It like, you know, like I had the poster of the Little Mermaid poster and that had the logo for that. It's when someone has written something on what's supposed to be a picture. High-flying Sonic and Tails. I think you'll find what you've just described there, Dave, is exactly the same thing I said. Someone's just written Little Mermaid all over this drone of the Little Mermaid. I know it's the Little Mermaid. I don't need to be told. Yeah, what is the distinction? Why do I think this? Like, if it was, if I had a big poster and I've immediately, just by starting this sentence, come to desire precisely this, a big poster of the Sonic 1 box cover, <laughs> Nice. then I would love that to have the Sonic the Hedgehog logo on it. But that is Sonic the Hedgehog. Look at, check it out. It's the poster for Sonic the Hedgehog. I don't require the words Jurassic Park to be removed from that poster. But the words high-flying Sonic and Tails are just some, someone's gone like, uh, I've got to write something on this poster. No, you've not. Just give me a big picture of Sonic and Tails. That would be, that would be <laughs> nothing without that on it. It would be a poster. It wouldn't be. I don't. I, I genuinely wouldn't look at that as like a pin-up or a poster out of a comic if it didn't have some kind of strapline on it. It would just be a strap. A big... Why do you want a strap line on a poster that you're putting up on your wall? I don't know. It would just be a big picture. Yeah, <laughs> that's what a poster and in is. In many ways, that's what a poster <laughs> is. I grant you. Hmm, I feel like we've strayed into some curious like waters here. I don't know. Uh, yeah, some curious etymological waters. You don't need a wry comment on your poster anyway. That it's, I it's love the a nature wry comment on your poster. <laughs> it's the nature of the text that's the thing, not just the fact that there's text. Yeah, high flying Sonic and Tails. There's something just really weird about that. That seems to perfectly me. normal to me. That just seems like the sort of line I would expect to see on a pinup pulled out of the middle of a comic. Yeah, well, yeah, maybe that's it. Maybe I'm thinking too hard about you know posters about post like posters that come rolled up and you sure can... like no if i was buying a nice glossy yeah. rolled up poster out of yeah. one of those things where you slide the tube out and you flip through the big metal frames mm, mm. like you did when you went into town on a saturday yeah. after school because what the hell else were you gonna know you certainly couldn't buy them sometimes there were ones with ladies in their pants and you would try and sneak yeah. a longer glance at them <laughs> without anybody noticing well well nonchalantly being in the process of turning like oh just i feel nothing about this some experiences yeah. are universal. <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't want that poster to, to go have a strap. Four on. lovely pair yeah, across exactly, the top yeah. of it, exactly. like that. You know. <laughs> <laughs> now there's a there's a tagline for a Sonic and Tails poster. Whoa, <laughs> lovely pair, Sonic and Tails. <laughs> Hot legs. Oh, lovely pair. <laughs> <laughs> Compo Calling all wheel nutters Ah, uh, we wheel Like real Is it? Could be <laughs> It's difficult to tell Yeah <laughs> You just Could you just be nuts for wheels Like yeah, You could be if you were Oh yeah, you could be, but I think it's a double pun. I think it's wheel nutters. I think it's real nutters. And also it's nutters because it's about, for some reason, this bike that we've been heard about, this giant bike, which, by the way, they once again say in the intro over in the control zone that there's giant bikes to give away. Giant bikes for giant boys and girls. It's being given away not by a bike company, but by Sunpat. S Fun packed, Sunpat, our Sunpat, 
I'll kill him when I get my hands on him. It's a peanut butter company, is what Sunpat. Not a peanut butter. I'm familiar with Sunpat. Does it still exist today? Really? It's the main brand of peanut butter in England. Yeah. Well, I suppose I don't eat peanut butter, so. Oh, do you not? No, really. Well, it's not. No. I can go and get you. Pa- I've got a jar in the cupboard now. I don't need the proof. It's all right. I'm leaving. <laughs> no, I just don't uh, go out of my way. To- I don't really like nuts. Right. Yeah. So uh, I don't. But peanut butter is all right. I don't mind a Reese's cup. You see, I do because the peanut butter they use in that is no good. That's like gran- It's like grains of crunchy sugar with a vague flavouring of something. You don't know what kind of international incident you might be kicking <laughs> off by saying that. I'm happy so, to. I'm well happy to. If, no, we're not, you know. if we haven't kicked off an international incident with this podcast yet, it's, it's about time we upped our and game, yeah, frankly. We just got another one in. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I do like a bit of Sun Pat. It's not I'm not brand loyal or anything. I'll have most peanut butter, but um I like pe- I like peanut butter, I do. Oh yum yum. It's not something I would ever, you know, spread on a sandwich or anything. I wouldn't I you I think I feel like Reese's is the only uh, and other, you know, peanut butter based chocolate things. It's really the only method in which I consume it. I'll tell you what I would do, but have never done, but I would. Now you're gonna go have to do it after this. Well, I'll go and have to get the resources, but I think Abby will agree to get them. Spread some peanut butter on some chocolate. Eat that. I'll oh, do on that. On some chocolate. Oh. I thought you were going to say maybe make a peanut butter Nutella sandwich. No, I'm not that bothered about Nutella. Abby likes it. But, I uh, like a Nutella. Now, for peanut butter, the two places to eat peanut butter. One is on a lovely slice of fresh bloomer loaf. You've cut it <laughs> One yourself. One is on the sofa and the <laughs> other's on He's the bed. bed. You've cut it yourself. You got to get butter under there first of all, otherwise it's too claggy. It's too sticky. Well, listen, I'm not. I'm not doing this again. <laughs> I'm not doing another <laughs> butter your toast half hour based on an advert segment on this podcast again. So let us take the butter as red and move on. <laughs> so a bit of lovely crusty bread, right? That's why you have your peanut butter. Mm. And thing number two, <laughs> sorry if this is too close to that, is on a slice of toast with butter, but on a slice of toast. And the thing is... Wait, wait what was the first one? Blue loaf, just bread. You've not toasted that. Oh, just bread. Yeah. Oh, so, so the two things to have... Separate the two things. best places yeah. to eat peanut yes. butter are bread well, and Yeah, toast. of course they're on bread. <laughs> yeah, they're both on bread. But in one case, you've drawn you've a distinction, Wait you know? a minute. No, but wait. Now, and you, were, and you, frankly, as a non-peanut butter eater, you won't realise this, but peanut butter on toast is a very different beast to peanut butter on cold bread. It changes the peanut butter. It makes it kind of runnier. It makes it, it, it heats up the pe- It's ve- It's very different. And I like was, butter. I was frankly- like ordinary butter is quite a different experience on well, toast yes. versus bread. Indeed. And I was frankly against peanut butter on toast for so long. I had for, uh, I had a brief period of trying it when I was at university for the novelty of going, oh, this is weird. And I'm currently... The novelty of owning your own toaster. Yeah, I'm currently... Well, not really, no. I think it was supplied but uh, with the with the student digs. Renting your own toaster. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm either in right now a little phase of peanut butter on toast or thinking about it, it ended a couple of weeks ago, which is probably the last time I took. So that I might be out of it again. As I think about it now, I'm like, oh, no. No, I don't want that. I want some nice... Nice bloom loaf. A bit of French bread. Peanut butter on that. Well, Some- crusty bread is yeah, always preferable for pretty much anything. I think, yeah. Butter. No butter. <laughs> you take a bit. Oh, yeah. I don't even need butter. I'd eat crusty bread dry. I love oh, yeah. crusty bread, me. Yeah, I would. I wouldn't. I don't, but I would. You, you see would. what I mean? 
I would if always... there was no butter available, you I mean, would consider fine. it a reason yeah. not to eat the bread. Bang on, exactly. I would always put the butter on if it's there, but if it isn't, yeah. never mind. Like if I'm having if I'm having some pasta or something, oh. I don't I don't even require the butter for the bread. You Doesn't matter. You're mopping up anyway. Yeah, you're mopping up. Yeah, yeah. You get it in there. Even then, I would butter it, but it's not required. If someone actually, that's, a, that's an instance where I might not I would yeah. choose not to. If someone it, served it, it me unbuttered, I wouldn't even notice. I'd be <laughs> so fine with that. We did it again, Dave. <laughs> Right. What is it about butter and bread, eh? <laughs> it's a point of national pride, butter on bread, that's the thing. <laughs> Sun Pat! Our Sun Pat is a bit nifty with a bat. Can run in a circle as fast as a cat. When he gets a little peckish, he takes off his hat. With 93% peanuts, he likes a bit of this, likes a bit of that. Sun-packed, fun-packed, our sun-packed. I'll kill him when I get my hands on him. Calling all wheel nutters, get a taste of the action, hang on to your handlebars and get into Top Gear. Utterly nutty, sun-packed peanut butter has teamed up with Sonic to give you the chance to see... I When I said sun-packed, like a cow pat, but a sun pat. Like a bird's pat. <laughs> I said it and it sounded like sun packed. And that was the basis of their advertising around the sun packed, fun packed, ah, sun pat. I'll kill him when I get my hands on him. Era. This means nothing to me. I've obviously mm, never uh, even seen these ads. Sounds like that wasn't. It, it may not exist in Ireland. Maybe you simply don't have sun pat there. Well, keep an eye. It'd be, Next it time you're in the shop. It would be weird if it wasn't, since I am in the United Kingdom here yeah. in Northern Ireland. But Yeah. Well, keep an eye out next time you're in the shop. See yeah, if you can find something. Next time in Tesco's. I've still never verified Dr. Pepper with my own eyes, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but that's because you're willfully not looking now. <laughs> oh, no, it's like I just, I just don't see it. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, you don't consider it a drink. So you just slide past. <laughs> barely even food. <laughs> um... They're giving away bikes, everybody. Five bikes. Yes, that's bikes. what's happening. Bikes. And this is not just a random advert that has been dropped into this. It is a Sonic-based one, uh, based solely on the fact that this says Sunpat has teamed up with Sonic to give you the chance. Because for yeah. all the world, this does just look like an ad. Yeah, it could have been in anything. But it's not. It is a Sonic the comic compo. Yeah. Oh, right. Oh, that's that honestly surprises me. I thought it would be in a few different comics, but you're right. It says there, Sonic. I mean, it could be with the words changed. And then they just change out that one word, yeah. Um, but, uh, by the way, listen. The bike says giant on the frame. That's what. They're called giants. Oh. That's why it's a giant bike. It's a brand. They're called giant bikes. I don't know why. It's, it still makes you think that would be a giant bike. I and thought be it too big. mean giant bikes for giant boys. Yeah, maybe it does. Like me. I was a giant boy. Well, there you are. There you go. <laughs> you want one of these, then. I need a big bike, yeah. Yeah, trouble is, not interested in Sunpat. Oh, no, there's no purchase necessary. It's got nothing to do with... Pe I don't know why this has got anything to do with either peanut butter or bikes. Pick one. One of them is irrelevant here. Well, somebody had to provide the bikes. Yeah, so why aren't they doing the competition? What's... It don't, you don't you think Sonic the Comic just go out and buy some bikes to just give away? Well, some That's how contests work. They get the stuff from yeah, other places. but normally you have to buy the Sunpat to get the tokens or whatever. There's nothing here encouraging you to do that. They're just sponsoring it. It's a sponsored compo. Why? I guess to, to put a picture because of Sunpat Because that's what there. compos are. Yeah, I guess. It's just what's in it for them. <laughs> Probably means it was free advertising, doesn't it? Yeah. 
Except for the price of the bike. Yeah, it's probably free, less yeah. than paying for the advert. Uh, maybe. So here, we're going to read you a fact attack, right? <laughs> because there are four facts uh, bullet pointed here, and, and here's what they are. Just one Sunpat sandwich contains enough energy to ride a bike for a whole hour. Non-stop, I assume. Yeah, it must be. I don't know how they've measured that. They must have... A caloric thing. There's That's how much calories there are. They must have children biking around in big versions of rat mazes in science labs. Until they keel over. Yeah, and then they write it down. <laughs> An Australian inventor is said to have invented a car that runs on peanut butter. Oh, is he? Doesn't say who. It's said no. to have. Did, did we look that up? I didn't, did you? No. No, I meant to, and I realised I'd forgot to look it up. It could be that the Australian inventor is said by this bullet point to have done that. Mm. It doesn't necessarily mean anyone else has ever said it. Well, that's very interesting. Google has no record of such a thing, so I call it into question. Peanuts are not actually nuts at all. (gasps) They grow underground and are a type of nerds. Everyone knows the next word in this sentence. Bean! A little twist there. You expected legume. legume. <laughs> yes. Type of bean, according to this. Peanut butter has no butter in it at all. Sunpad peanut butter is 93% peanuts. Uh, all right, what's the rest of the percent? What's the rest of it, yeah? yeah. Sugar. Yeah, well, yeah, probably. Bit of salt, bit of sugar. There you go, those are the four facts. So now you know those things. But why on earth might they feel so compelled to, to tell share us. peanut butter facts with us? I don't know. Can you? I, I can't work it out, can you? Oh, well, on to the competition. Yeah, well, let's get a look at the combo here, yeah. yeah. For a chance to win your very own set of wheels, just tick the correct boxes in the nutty quiz below. <laughs> and then send them off to the PR Connection, 7 St. Mm. George's Square, London. The peanut butter and... I haven't even got a joke. <laughs> Five winning entries will be drawn at random on the 31st of October. Winners will be notified, blah, 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 blah. So what's the quiz? So the nutty quiz is... Peanuts grow underwater and trees are underground. A Sunpat sandwich gives you enough energy to keep you cycling for... Is it 15 minutes? One hour or two weeks? And Sunpat peanut butter contains... <laughs> butter? <laughs> peanuts? Or baked beans? Well, it depends on whether or not the peanuts at any stage of the process are baked, because they've explained they're a type of bean. I was just thinking, why did they have to specify baked beans? And I bet that's, that's because probably it didn't why. originally. I, I bet it said butter, peanuts, or beans. Yeah. Originally, yeah. and somebody was like, but, but we just said peanuts or beans. So they had to stipulate a type of bean that they were not. <laughs> The only fact not revisited there in the quiz was this Australian inventor story. Yeah, because they've made that up for this. Further, I believe, cementing its wanton (laughs) falsitude. (laughs) Keep your eyes peeled for exciting cycling ideas. Oh, good, right, okay. Look out for the Sunpat Adventure Race Course at the Big Bash. The Big Bash. No more information is given about what Big Bash they're talking about. What is it? I'm... I feel like we're dropping to Google very frequently today, but I'm going to look up the Sunpat Big Bash. I mean, is it a Sunpat Big Bash? We don't know. Surely. Is it a Sonic Big Bash? Is it the Diary Zone's Christmas Big Bash? <laughs> no, nothing. <laughs> so not we even, don't, we don't know. Suggestion. We don't, we do not know. It doesn't say what Big Bash. If it, 
Because you expect it, because it sounds like, you know, the Radio 1 Roadshow or something, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. You would expect them to have a name Radio for it. Radio 1's One Big Weekend, <laughs> The Big Bash, yes. sponsored by Sunpat. <laughs> you would expect Look them to Look out for exciting say. cycling ideas. What is, what is it? What is it? <laughs> we don't know. There's no small print. No, wait, wait, there is small print. Let's just look at the small print on that. I read it all out. No, you didn't. You said then you send it in and blah, blah, blah. I, I skimmed over it because I read it. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> well, I was just making sure it didn't say, you know, be drawn at random at the Sunpad Big Bash on the 13th. But no, it doesn't. <laughs> oh. A strange competition page. It's not quite on the level of the Big Pret Stick. <laughs> but it's, a, it's, it's getting up there. Because at least oh. a bike is something you might want to win. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Out of the two, I might want a big print stick more. <laughs> Can you imagine if you want a big print stick? Inconceivable stuff. <laughs> now, the theme of nutters continues into... <laughs> I don't know if I should really be taking the advice of a man who eats liquefied cheese as a meal. Chuck and the Cheese Factory Part 2 Written by Nigel Kitching and Richard Rayner Art by Nigel Kitching and letters by Ella Tafel. Chuck takes up arms to stop the revolting Slurpikins from destroying George Curdle's Liquid Cheese Factory But it's Curdle himself who ends the fighting by agreeing to start manufacturing nice hard cheese as well The very notion of a non-drinkable cheese is enough for Chuck to write Curdle off as a nutter and his love affair with Slurpa Cheese quickly comes to an end it's just getting sillier dude <laughs> yep yeah 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 this is this is just that basically what chris has read out is what this is um there's some jokes that made me laugh there's just jokes about having a northern accent yeah oh i really enjoyed my thump i was right wrong there <laughs> yeah as the cheese vats explode i was right wrong that's nice. Chuck charges in to start fighting the Slurpikins. And I this was my I had a really good hard laugh at this, but as Chuck <laughs> wades knee deep through the runny green cheese everywhere to fight the Slurpikins. Because uh. the whole conceit here is that the Slurpikins it's their hard cheese revolution. They mm. want to destroy all liquid cheese, and only hard cheese will prevail. And as Chuck wades into the fight, as much as to himself as anyone else, Head says <laughs> yeah. quite partial to a nice hard cheese <laughs> and then you turn the page and it's a full splash page there was not enough of an idea to this story to justify five full pages so we just get a full splash page of chuck flinging slurpikins everywhere and screaming about cheese war as head <laughs> carries on muttering to himself i don't even mind if it's a bit crumbly <laughs> <laughs> yes and unfortunately there's a, there's a, a medium large error here by elita who has lettered it shut it head this is was Cheese war. Oh, I didn't even notice. This yeah. is war. Cheese war. I didn't even notice it. Yeah, that's how much this one kind of rolled over me. Uh, yeah, like a big round cheese like going a down big a hill. Round wheel of hard <laughs> cheese. Very funny picture of uh, Chuck on the next page in his old in his old mode. Yes, head butting. In his looks like a great big <laughs> mode. <laughs> Um, <laughs> uh, and it's just very funny, the determination on his face, the length and girth of his neck. It's always funny to me when he uses his head for headbutting. <laughs> and then uh, Curdle himself says, Now then, there's no need for all this carry-on. I'll start a new land. I'll make thee a hard cheese you can be proud of. Slab of cheese! Stuff so hard you can build a block of flats with it. <laughs> and that is what prompts Chuck to go, 
You were right all along, Ed. George Curdle <laughs> is a nutter. Ah, oh, cheese, Chuck. Hey. And as they walk hey. off... Imagine if he hadn't had him say hard cheese, hard cheese at any at time. Any yeah. <laughs> Feels like it should have been the <laughs> closing line. Yeah, exactly. Imagine if... In fact, if I'm now... I, I, in fact, I'm now for that. I think that Head should have said bad luck, Chuck, there instead, leaving us frustrated. <laughs> <laughs> And as they leave the factory where the Slurpikins hammer up the sign that says, Now the makers of new slabbages, head waffles on. There's plenty of other novelty foods for you to try. Chocolate-covered kippies, spicy dipping lick chaffinch, <laughs> and there's always the glow-in-the-dark comedy rice range. It's just a load of silly words. Oh! I just saw the next issue box and I'm excited. <laughs> the pumpkins return for yes. Halloween. <laughs> Decap attack has gotten very silly, hasn't it? <laughs> it's dafter than air it was. <laughs> it's like Nigel's aware that it's on borrowed time. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're, right, that's not a bad way of describing it, you know? But I think it's still... Well, he did say in, in the interview we did with him that they were content to leave him alone and do whatever silly bollocks he wanted to do <laughs> in Decap Attack. I seem to remember him saying that he thought that the call would always come in to say, like, I don't do this anymore. Stop it's, doing that. This isn't about <laughs> yeah. Sonic. But in fact, actually, people seem to like it. I mean, it's enjoyable, yeah, silly it's stuff. Good, yeah. But I do find myself, much to my own chagrin, I do <laughs> find myself questioning its place in the comic more and more the sillier it gets and the more the rest of the comic changes around it yes but uh, as i'm not keen on the way the comic's changing I'm, I'm i'm very happy to have it here i don't disagree but with the rest of the comic skewing so jokier in general it just being another joke strip getting weirder and sillier in its jokes even though it's not the same thing it does feel like it's part of a, a wave that's being pulled along on, if you know what I mean. This issue, there's almost a feeling that someone has told editorial that they're not allowed to speak to Nigel Kitching. <laughs> <He's> just, <laughs> he just does what he does and, and no one tells him, well, actually, Nigel, we kind of, we're thinking of doing that. It doesn't matter. Nigel's doing it the way Nigel's doing it. And we're grateful for that a lot of the time. It's cheese or nothing. <laughs> I'll walk. <laughs> and this is the thing, right? If I had the power, I think a good thing to do would be to give Nigel Kitching total free reign to make a comic, and I don't even care what it is. Make Just send some stuff in and I'll print it. Um, if I had my way, right, I'd have Nigel Kitching, and he's writing whatever he wants, and he gets to choose whether he draws it, Richard Elson draws it, or Mick McMahon draws it, right? Whatever it happens to be. And then sprinkled in among that, between each strip... There's a Tom Patterson comic, and it can be uh, whatever he wants to do. And that's my comic. That's my favourite comic that could ever possibly exist. It is hard to imagine that the Cheese Factory two-part story like went through an editorial approval process. <laughs> yeah, you like know he what handed I mean? yeah. the outline in. Yeah, and they were like, "Yes, <laughs> that's what we need." Yeah, or or it's all it's equally hard to believe that an editor looked at it and went. Nearly. I've got a couple of changes. (laughs) (laughs) And then this is the result of that. I wager, Dave, I will have a few notes to give you after we get through this issues. (laughs) Diary I have a bad case of diary. 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 
Welcome to the Diary Zone, the part of the podcast where I throw open my whole teenage diary and we find out what was going on in the life of one of your hosts <laughs> during Without the release. Without Chiamy does it, just this, this bears it. it to the world. I would love it if we could do this for both of your hosts, but Chris, if, if, Chris, if Chris had such a diary, which you know him well enough to know that he never would. It would have been burned long ago. Yeah, he wouldn't read them to us, so Christ. it falls to me. Could you imagine, folks? <laughs> Think to yourself. If you had a diary, would you get on a podcast and willingly read it out? Of course you would. I have no notion of what a normal person's diary would be like, because I don't get to see them. I only get to see mine, and here's, here's what's in mine. Starting on Wednesday, the 15th of October, 1997, at 12.30am on a Thursday. I'm staying up late these days. It's not good for you. My Dizzy friend Braid on the internet. That's his friend that's a fan of Dizzy, mm. not somebody who's just like perpetually off yeah, balance. Yeah. <laughs> Though I think you have to be a little off. I think you're such a big fan of Dizzy. Well, uh, and equally, he's now been off to sea uh, from a Jack to a King, that musical with the, you know, with the, of all our beats and all of the cities and all of the world. Oh, yeah, 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 I remember. That that thing I've been to see, the Return of the Forbidden Planet 2. And, uh, whoa, and he loved it, so that's nice. Um, And then there's a subtitle here. Foxy. Oh, I was wondering if we were going to get back to this this week. The uh, the rest of the family had gone out and left oh, the house to no. me. Trousers round the ankles. Here and we go. Left the house to me this evening, so I recorded a tape full of comedy sketches and songs to send to Foxy. <laughs> Chris is practically ripping his jumper off. He's so mad at me. <laughs> I can't with this shit anymore. I quit. I am dumb. I don't think there's enough good stuff in this comic left to carry me through these diaries. What is wrong with you? I mean, it could be that I... Be normal! Be normal! (laughs) You clipped so perfectly then. Oh, so I'm so that's what I'm doing. I'm as a fancily crested bird might build a fancy nest to attract a mate. I (laughs) am recording a mixtape of flipping, and I know for a fact the Fireman Sam theme tune was on it. Fifteen years of age. I I incorporated it into a sketch. Is the thing I risked it. I'm, I'll have kept myself a copy. I bet I can put a bit on next time it's mentioned. This was something you put in the post. <laughs> well, that was the Where plan. Where was this, girl? That was the plan. Oh, I don't know. Well, not not in England. Uh, this is the right. plan anyway. I think I'll... Uh, we'll, we'll see if it if I actually do. Friday, the 17th. 12.27am on Saturday morning. TMN Turtles. TMN Turtles. <laughs> Looked them up, learned all about the original comics and stuff. Ooh. I'd better order some quick. And here we stand today. Not a single one ordered yet. <laughs> I've still not read them. <laughs> on record on this podcast, unless I cut it out, saying recently that I wanted to get the book of them that's currently out. Uh, today, I introduced Foxy to braid in icq chat i told him she's basically exactly like me in all respects <laughs> well there's a couple of subtle differences but she doesn't go around flashing them to just everybody <laughs> and then in brackets it says at this point i almost died of laughter in real life <laughs> chris is making faces and wagging fingers at me you're a bad person <laughs> <laughs> She had to leave, and uh, Braid seemed disappointed. Ooh! But frankly, I uh, I hope it doesn't go any further. 
They're both they're both two good friends. If they started getting together, I'd be put on the back burner. I'm a bad person, Chris. Well, that's a little more understandable. Sunday the 19th at 11.44pm. TMNT. Oh, well, it seems I'm right back into these guys. Oh, crap. That'll cause problems. It, 1997 was not a good mm. time to be trying to get back into Turtles at no, all. No, no. That was when Next Mutation was on. That was right? Next Mutation, yeah. I suppose it probably wouldn't have been out here yet, because I think 97 was when it started in America, but then it's it's autumn now, so it would have just started, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> But I remember how I found out about it, and it probably was this very day, was there was, like, promotional art that they did. But that was, like, really cool. It was drawings. It wasn't, you know, the, this, like, pictures of the costumes. It was art that they'd drawn. So it was just, like, cool drawings of the turtles, but with their designs from the show, which is to say, you know, they would have, like, full head bandanas or whatever they happen to have. Mm. And kind of, like, big muscly bodies, which is, that you know, that suits them in art. And, like... I wish I could find these images because like, I just remember thinking they were dead cool and kind of reflected in the style that the 2003 series ended up being. Hmm. Um, well, I mean, they, they they can't have been these pieces of art, but there were comic strips made yeah. for UK magazine oh. of Next Mutation, which Nigel Dobbin drew. <laughs> well, it wasn't that. It, was, it definitely wasn't his hmm. style. Let me just see if I can... Oh, yeah, I found it instantly. And, it, and it's from a Reddit post that says, as goofy as the show was, Next Mutation has amazing character designs. <laughs> Yeah, but imagine this. You're 15. You've not seen Turtles since it was the 80s cartoon, right? Look how f cool this drawing is. Yeah, that's... Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> right? That's yeah. really cool. Instantly retract statement. Yeah. <laughs> this wicked sh Yeah, There's you know what I mean? Balls. That is... <laughs> so, so I'm like, this is why I'm all, all about TM, TMN Turtles right now. It's funny to me that you see that though yeah. as a as a fifteen year old in nineteen ninety seven and immediately think that's so cool yeah. because that's just a nineties comic version of the turtles. One hundred percent, it is just yeah. bloke. That's all just bulging muscles and, and <laughs> yeah. veins and stuff. Absolutely, it is. It could be it could have been drawn by Jim Lee. It yeah. wasn't, but it could have been. Yeah, it's someone who's that's the state of the art that they're currently playing in. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, and then I say, good job I'm into the comics, not the cartoons. I'm ordering a book containing the first about 14 comics for around £12, including shipping. Wish I had. I was going to say, because that's the book you still want to order today. <laughs> <laughs> well, school starts tomorrow, so I'd better go to sleep. Well, that's why I'm going to bed early at quarter to midnight instead of half past. <laughs> you say starts. Yeah, but, uh, Did it stop? We must be on a little holiday. I don't know what that would be. Yeah. Do you know why? Middle of October. Yeah. Maybe it was a cool day, smart day situation. Maybe it was just a little bank holiday or something. I don't know. I don't know when the bank mm. holiday are. I never remember. There isn't one in the middle of October, I don't think. What day of the week is it? Well, it's Monday that it starts back. Well, then it just starts back on... Yeah, I might just mean... It's just Monday. Yeah, but I wouldn't say school starts tomorrow on a Listen. Sunday night. Shut up. Listen. Shut up. <laughs> 
Yeah, all right, fair enough. Um, Monday, the twentieth of October, ninety-seven, eleven forty-five p.m. Right, this is this strap in for some classic bulmering now. Right? Oh, I think I might have had my full of this already for and, today. All right, and this I'm is steedled. and this is some multi-generational bulmering that's about to take place. Oh, okay. <laughs> Thursday, the twenty-third. We just installed a new mouse. We spent about an hour, hour and a half trying to install it. As you can imagine, installing a mouse through Windows without a mouse is no easy task. Yes, indeed. Mm. I mean, these days, you plug it in, it goes ba-bum, plug it in and, it goes, and it's yeah. done. But this was pre-USB. You were having to yeah. stick it in those things with all the little dots the, around it and the, color, the, the, the colourful plug in it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, learning keyboard shortcuts and skipping from icon to icon with the arrow keys and then finally quitting to DOS to try and get it on there... And Why were you supposed to do it? <laughs> well... Stay tuned. And each time, no response from the mouse. Then it occurred to me to... And I've, I've deliberately not worded this in the amusing way that IT teachers of the time used to. Mm. Uh, there is no mention of fingering the mouse's balls. I don't know if your IT teacher used to like nope, that one. But nope, no, never heard that one. Mine, no. mine loved it. Because uh, kids, in the old days, a mouse would have a big rubber ball in the bottom of it. And moving it around the table rolled the ball, which rolled two little rollers which were, you know, represented forwards and backwards, up and down. And so I've said here, then it occurred to me to finger the rollers to see if they were working, as occasionally I was getting a slight reaction. So I started to unscrew the white plastic tag that covers up the ball. Dad groaned. Oh, don't say. And he removed the tag. Ah, it worked. All that time, I'd assumed it was meant to be there. So all it is, it's one of those things, you know when there's a little tag that's in the way of the batteries of something, and you pull it out before you start? It didn't occur to me that maybe it was stopping the ball from touching the table. Ha ha ha! So there you go. Oh, that's not so bad at all. That's a perfectly innocent mistake to make. If it's the kind of blunder that your dad could casually make, I think it falls under the all right thing. Your dad wouldn't accidentally go on the internet and uh, record a tape of fun for a boy pretending to be a girl. (laughs) (laughs) You'll note I have sped ahead to what I assume is the inevitable (laughs) outcome of the... I think we're three episodes deep now on the Foxy Saga. We're quite deep into the Foxy Saga, yeah, yeah. No, no, not not to, you know... Yeah, yeah give away the twist ending <laughs> yeah. but i think i figured it out <laughs> friday the 24th started uh, you're not gonna like <laughs> and here we go you're not gonna like this <laughs> started rewriting the rules of magical quest for version 2.0 uh, i'll be working on a sonic rpg system <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's balling his fist. <laughs> now that's some boomerang. He got so cross for a moment that his cheeks inflated. <laughs> and he started playing with a stress ball in real life, listeners. <laughs> it does wonders. <laughs> um, magical quest. Um, I will not go into detail. You, luckily, I can't remember the detail, but... One day... You'd go into it if you did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you remember... Well, I'd be rich if I did. Do you remember one day I was getting cross that me and my brother were having to stay around our grandparents' house? Yes. Well, one time when we did that, and it must have been that time, I was trying to think of something to do. So I came up with this idea where I would draw a little map of a, like, like a video game, like a Zelda dungeon. I drew a little map on a piece of paper. Didn't show Andy this, and I would... 
on a second piece of paper, draw it as he said what he would do in it. And he was a wizard, and he's like, oh, I'll go through that door. Oh, I'll check in that treasure chest, things like this. And I had never heard of RPG, like pen and paper RPGs. I was say, I mean, you haven't invented anything here. No, but I had, though, because I hadn't ever heard of it. So if I'd have carried on with it, maybe a totally separate evolutionary branch of the RPG system could have happened and I could have turned it into something original, but I never did. But I was, at this point, I was so taken with this idea that I wrote out a big instruction manual and sent it to Cousin John, friend of the show. And, um, and he took one look at it and went like, I don't understand this, David. <laughs> to the bin with it. Yeah. Sunday, the 26th. Braid and me had a big adolescent sex humour conversation. Ha ha ha! Funny! <laughs> it's the fact that that's how you choose to describe it. Like your granddad. Uh, no no examples given. I've not I've not included the chat log. Well, no, heaven for friend, somebody might read it. He, well, indeed. That David, he's just on the computer having one of those adolescent sex humour conversations again. <laughs> oh my god, Dave. I don't know what you just did there, but the way that combination drink laugh went, you, you generally went, huh? You just did a clown honk. <laughs> and then, I am I, I'm a feared for Monday. Not because school starts again. We're another week on now. This is how old we are now, Chris. This is how far through STC we are. Because mm. what starts tomorrow... Okay, hang on. October 1997. <laughs> We're grown up. We're big boys now. Uh, uh, it's not on telly. Oh, it's not Don't on telly. Don't think on telly. No. It's a thing I have to do. Start studying for the GCSEs? Worse. Even bigger boy than that. Well, it's not taxes. No, not taxes. Uh, not as bad as taxes. Driving lessons. Oh, but no. But you're close. It's a grown-up responsibility, sort of. I mean, it isn't really. Shall I tell you? Go on, then. Work experience. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Starts tomorrow. Ugh. So, that's what we're getting now. Work experience. Monday the 27th. Work experience was okay. God, I don't remember when I did my work experience exactly. Do you remember what you did? I do remember what I did. I was in architect's office. Oh, that's cool. It was all right. You could have gone and been an artist. I can talk to I can't even say it. Christ, no. Oh, good God, no. The The field of architecture is merciless. Oh, really? To the bone you are worked. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. What did you do years in, though? Tell us all. I don't know what it was. I think it was like... I think that it was a... Like a school, like a, a course that teaches normal teenagers who are about to have to enter office work how to use computers oh. because that's what office work is suddenly yeah i think that is what it was oh you don't remember properly what it was well i didn't understand what it, i can tell you what it was from my pov sure getting the coffee we not even we went into an office and it was full of it was like the computer room at school basically picture that yeah sure and we had a computer each as did they were kind of you know like old teenagers and they were just on computers all day. That's what they were doing. And so they said to us, like, okay, uh, here's your work for the day. And our work, and I repeat, for the day, mm -hmm. was to copy a letter that was on a piece of paper onto a computer. Ah, yes. So that was done within 30 seconds. Correct, yes. I, I, yes, I went through something similar during another a different work placement thing uh, later in life. 
Because we were 15. Knew how to use a computer, knew how to type. Totally native to us. Now, you didn't have a computer at this point, were you? Had a typewriter, though. Oh, yes! So knew how to type. So I've learned to type really fast. So I'm there, I sit down, I type this thing up, I'm done for the day, and now I'm tediously bored. I'm spinning yeah. around in my chair, I'm wandering about, I'm off to the vending machine to get myself a packet of polos. You didn't find anything else for you to do? There was nothing else for me to do. That was it, done. Oh, that's pretty bad. Yeah. They're like, what shall we do? Okay, we've got a work experience kid. Actually, we had, so there were two work experience kids. It was me, and it was a, another boy who I didn't really get on with. It wasn't... So, I'd known him since I was little. When you don't have, like, friends and enemies, you're all just kids in the same room, you know? So we knew each other from then. I had enemies when I was... <laughs> <laughs> you had the monobrow and you were just pointing the fingers at the baby. That's over the right. <laughs> but now we were kind of, like... It wasn't that he was in a group of bullies, but it was that he was in a group of local boys... Who, like, I used to see them at the bus stop back when I used to catch the bus to go to this school, to big school, which you may remember I'm not now doing because mum's driving in, she's working That's next right, door. I remember, yeah. And him and his friends are one of the reasons I'm glad about that because they, eh, they were the only people I knew at the bus stop. They were the little group at the bus stop. But they, we didn't really get on. And the, and the one time that I really remember this was where <laughs> there was a shop near to the bus stop. They were coming back from the shop and I went. I crossed the road to say like hi to them, but I timed it wrong. It was just as they were crossing the road to the other side of the road. So then I crossed the road to get to them. And they crossed the road because they noticed they realized a good joke when they saw one. And, fair enough, fair <laughs> enough. Yeah, I mean, and that's so, funny. It is funny. And uh, this went on enough times that I gave up and went to the shop by myself. But that, that's the level we're talking about. So I wasn't really looking forward to, we weren't really looking forward to doing work experience together. It was like, oh, I've, I've got work experience with you. Oh, okay, okay. By the end of the week, best mates. <laughs> you have nothing else to do, yeah. yeah. that's the thing. All you do is chat to each other. But what I have put here is, work experience is okay, working on the pooters, all day, McDonald's. Hey, it was a laugh. Yeah, this is the thing. We were across, like down the road from McDonald's. Yes. Never have we been in this position before. This was when McDonald's was still rare. You had to go on a family outing to get to one. This is like the story I would tell whenever I was on my foundation. This is a couple of years hence uh-huh. when I was on my foundation art course, mm-hmm. which was five minutes away from the one McDonald's we had versus mm-hmm. the half hour I lived away mm-hmm. from it. Yep. Triple Decker Sauruses, Dave. <laughs> that was when! That Three was burgers, when! Dave! <laughs> <laughs> So, let's move away from this. Oh no, okay. I thought maybe we were done for today. Just thought I'd mention, as if I'm writing my own diary, just while you're here. Just just while I've got you. (laughs) Just thought I'd mention our conversation about how it's hard to have real, proper friends at our age these days. Now, I can well imagine someone my age now saying that. Like, oh, it's hard to find... How do you find new friends sure. when you're middle-aged? You know, what do you do? The, uh, there's there's one very straightforward answer. You have kids. <laughs> <laughs> and then you have to be friends with their friends as parents. I mean, yeah. That's, that's how you make friends at our age. I think that is the truth, yeah. Um, but so what does a 15-year-old think of this? It's hard to have real proper friends at our age these days. I really admire 16 to 20-year-olds... They can make friends with anyone. Okay. Right. I don't remember quite what I mean there. Tuesday the 28th. Doing pretty well. Made a friend. 
and several semi-friends. Not so hard to make friends when you're that age. <laughs> Clearly. This really is the model of life after school. The atmosphere, the laughs, the skiddy-wheelie spinny chairs on the smooth hard floor. Doing no work. <laughs> Doing no And if you run to McDonald's, you get to eat at normal speed and have time left over. <laughs> the model of the adult workplace. Adult life, yeah. Pegging it to McDonald's every single day. If you run day. to McDonald's, you've got more time to eat it. <laughs> I was so excited. I had a Big Mac every day for a week. It was Jesus. amazing. Hard going, could you imagine? And we both did as well. Me and this other boy sprinting through Loughborough Town Square to get to McDonald's to have a Big Mac every day. We weren't mates. We barely knew each other. We were totally of one mind about the idea of having a Big Mac every day for lunch now. Like, that we didn't have to have that discussion. <laughs> and we end on, on a bit of STC, but also the bulmerist bit possible. Oh, of course. The Fury, gonna novelize it again. Again? <laughs> again! <laughs> Amy! Earthbound, part two. Written by Lou Stringer, art by Bob Corona. Bob Corona! Colors by John M. Burns, and letters by Tom Frame. Stranded on Earth, Amy and Techno are taken prisoner and interrogated by Operation Starwatch's Colonel Granite, who's convinced they're the vanguard of an alien invasion. Techno uses her exploding earrings to blast open their cell, and they grab their friend Professor Cratermass and beat a hasty retreat back to his home, where he and Techno are able to finish programming the prof's infraspace gateway. Amy and Techno use the gateway to return to Mobius, and Kratomass deletes the program just before the pursuing Colonel Granite can get his hands on it. It's fine. Like, it's not bad. But I feel like all the issues we sort of had last issue remain true. Remind me what those were. What should be a truly momentous event, mm -hmm. Sonic characters coming to Earth, is breezed through very quickly. They get captured. They break out on the second page, basically. And then they're just off again and they're away. That's it. It's done in two parts. It's all over in ten pages. Yeah. The um the stuff with Colonel Granite, that points towards the version of it we're thinking of, where it was a bigger deal and... Yes. But it's because it's Amy and Techno who... Their characteristic is starting to emerge. Well, I think it's fully emerged now. They're the characters who don't care what's happening around them. They're yes. always going to crack wise. It's a little surprising that Techno takes such plot-relevant action in this issue. Hmm. Because otherwise they stand there and make jokes while the other characters have a plot around them. And for that reason, I really like the bit where they're locked in the cell at the place and Techno goes, Oh, I know. Hang on. Uh, wait a minute. I'll just... I've made my explosive earrings for just such a predicament. And Amy goes, You are kidding. <laughs> and then... <laughs> boom. <laughs> and a really good drawing of the door being blasted off. I really like that. I love the panel of her just hucking the earring. Yeah. Real kineticism. Yeah, in yeah. That, in that whew, full body turn that she's doing there. Yeah. Honestly, great art again mm. in this one. And, and a, a great little gag, actually, from Stringer as well, where Techno grabs Amy and simply they fly... Over Granite's head. Oh, I love this. Must fly, Amy says, and Granite goes, But you haven't any wings. And, he's, and Techno goes, No, but I am talented. Brilliant! Brilliant. <laughs> Great. Acknowledges stuff. a weird problem we've noticed, dismisses it in an amusing way, 
This is what, do you know what that reminds me of? It reminds me of... Johnny, where in the hell are you from, anyway? The Upper West Side. <laughs> in Ghostbusters 2. It's that thing of like, hang on, this is weird. Shall we explain it? No. <laughs> I like it. But... Well, that, that is about it, though. Yeah, I mean, Otherwise, it's it just a bunch of plot beats that happen. There aren't even really any more jokes after that. Well, no. I mean, I liked that, though, because we've almost had our fill of jokes in recent issues, and this one kind of points... Mm. It's trying to be more of a story. And I did like the... I mean, so, for example, stuff like the shot of the army... Uh, I do, in fact... Adore that shot. Uh, it's, it's great, it, isn't it? it? Like this is a panel that has wandered in from the different version yeah. of the story where it actually was what we think it should be. And it's Colonel Granite in his what do we call those? In his jeep, yeah, trundling along with a, with a great big gun mounted to that mm. helicopter. I said the army; it's not, but it you know makes you think of the army. <laughs> They're military. Yeah, yeah two helicopters uh, shining their spotlights down on the house yeah. of the prof. With Proper this. spooky, like, yeah. black helicopters type stuff. You know, unmarked yeah. helicopters with their headlights cutting through the night, you know? And it is the night, and there's the really moody, kind of watercolour washy... Mm, it's really... Moody is the word, yeah. Clouds in the background, and the house in shadow, and the UFO parked outside it, so they, they know which house to go to, obviously. <laughs> it just is really great. It's a great panel that the story just sort of then very abruptly stops as well we end with amy and techno jump through the gateway they program it in about a panel's time yeah they jump through the gateway they're transported right back to mobase they materialize in front of johnny where yeah. they left him and then we cut back to earth for two panels where granite says you forget we can follow the alien through that gateway and the professor simply deleted the program, which is impossible to access again without Techno's help. Mm -hmm. And the last we see is Creator Mass indicating the computer screen over the shoulder with his thumb where it says deleted. And we just see Granite's arm, clenched fist in the panel, at his side, you know, in, in fury, going, How dare you! Dot, dot, dot. And like... I'm a little worried about what happens to the professor next. <laughs> yes. yeah. I feel like he's going to get dragged off and thrown in an underground prison for the rest of his natural. Yes. But we do know, it's kind of spoilery, but we do see Colonel Granite again. So this story just winds up feeling like a very perfunctory method of introducing Colonel Granite rather than truly exploiting the storytelling potential of what if Sonic characters came to Earth. Yeah, I suppose so. If you think yes, if you think of Colonel Granite as the character Colonel Granite from STC and this as his yes. introductory story, I guess so. No, I didn't mind this though. It was I dunno, it was a bit of fun. No, it's not bad. I didn't say it was bad. I just said yeah. it's the same problems as last time. It's like it takes something that should be momentous and makes it all not yeah a bit perfunctory. Not even just the you know, these characters end up on Earth, but the introduction that we can take earth seriously as part of the world of this comic yeah you know, that it exists um could have been more but then it's better than what archie did when they did it uh sonic live with sonic coming out of ken pender's kids tv and that wasn't very good either so i guess if you're gonna do this i'd rather you do it this way well sure but i'd rather it take I don't know, four parts, and yeah. it'd be a Sonic story, and each part be seven parts long. And It's that it's not a Sonic story. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I do wish that I had a little more to say about it, but um, it could have been more than it was. What it is is fine, but it could have been and should have been more than it is. And of course, we end on the classic old beat. Johnny says, what was Earth like? And Amy says, eh, it's okay for a day trip, but I wouldn't have wanted to stay any longer. Mm. A variation on the, it's a nice place to visit, but I wouldn't want to live there. Yeah. 
gag. Next issue, Spooked. No, no, yeah, of course, of course. It's, it's Halloween. Halloween. Oh, I hope we get a Halloween-themed issue. That'd be nice. Well, we'll find out in a moment, but first we got to get through the... Spoilers. Boink ping. First letter here is titled Pen Pushing Hedgehog, and it's from Emma Buckley in Warrington, Cheshire. And it's nonsense. Yes, she asks, Dear Megadroid, I would like to know why Sonic answers the boomers' questions instead of you. <laughs> What are you talking about? This question is founded on falsehood. Now, I, I think probably what's happened here is this is just probably a young person who didn't phrase the question. Right? I think really what they uh, meant to write was, why, why doesn't, doesn't Sonic, Sonic answer yeah. the boomers' questions yeah. instead of you? It's the instead of you yeah. bit on the end. Yeah, I think you're right. And that might even have been what the kid wrote and they've typed it up wrong or whatever. Mm, but possibly. the question that they have printed here, they were wrong to treat as a valid question, but they do anyway. Yes. <laughs> Emma, don't you know, says Megadroid, that I am the hardworking multi-purpose editorial server droid around here? Tis I who replies to your letters, who carts lorry loads of mail twice daily from the post room to the STC nerve centre. I'd be only too happy for Sonic to handle the mail, but he can't sit still for long enough. Wait. That answer actually perfectly applies to the better version of the question we've come up with. Uh, it could just be a typo. Oh, I suppose it does actually work. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, she, no, it's the way he says, don't you know that I am the... Do, do yeah, yeah, but like... no. But think about it. If the kid had said, why doesn't Sonic answer the questions instead of you? And he's like, don't you know that I'm the hardworking one? Sonic couldn't keep up well, with me. Do, it's the don't you know... Well, it's I is in bold as well. I, I feel yeah. like the... Um, it. it it doesn't not work, but I do yeah, think yeah. that this has, this has been written to respond to the bad version of the question. What it is is nonsense, and they shouldn't have printed it as is. <laughs> they Quite should have right. thought about it and done it differently. <laughs> Winning Compose. Dear Megadroid, I am a fairly new reader to STC, and I think it would be even better if you included competitions. Also, I really enjoy the issues which include an extra Sonic story. After all, it is called Sonic the Comic. That's from... Adam Kissiglis, Burringham, near Scunthorpe. Megadroid replies, Welcome to our happy ship, Adam. I trust you'll be entering the mountain bike and safety gear competition. See right, because remember, right now Speedlines is printed in the middle of the comic. Mm -hmm. um, also, the next issue includes an exclusive compo Ooh. for you to get your newly cut STC teeth into. New okay. compo, excellent. In honour of Sonic's Mega Drive launch six years ago, 100 family tickets are up for grabs to join in a celebration on Sunday the 16th of November at Hamley's Toy Store in London. Ooh. Now, if if that's called the Big Bash... <laughs> I don't think so. Because there's not going to be a Sunpat Adventure race course in Hamley's, is there? There might! I've been in Hamley's one time. It's a yeah, big same. place, but they don't really have room to ride bikes around in it. No, same. And at, as I recall, at some point, Hamley's had a downstairs Sega area. Oh, well, that I don't know. I mean, that was this time. No, what I wanted to say about this letter is that th this kid's come in and said it'd be better if you included competitions. And it was just, it struck me as a something of a moment. You know, it's a little bit like, oh, I, I'm a new reader, and I think this comic would be better if it had compos, reviews, a news section, a comic about a dolphin. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, it would be. It would be good if this had but more But he stuff also in it. thinks it would be better with more Sonic stories. Well, I mean, I don't really disagree. He contains multitudes, does Adam Kissiglis. <laughs> but it, it, it did punctuate Adam it for me. You know, yeah, I, I, I really enjoy the issues with an extra Sonic story. Whenever I think we would agree that the issues that have an extra sonic story are some of the worst they are but because the extra sonic stories that they have are always fluff that's the that's the problem if they had extra 
actual Sonic stuff. I mean, listen, who's stopping them? Who? What king has come down and put his little stamp on a law that says they can't have a Sonic story at the start of the comic and a Sonic story at the end of the comic and they're parts one and two of each other? Why, why not? Why can't we have that? That'd be really cool. I mean, it'd take away from the specialness of events like issue 100, but... Well, okay. I, I, I'm comfortable to make that sacrifice. If I had my way, they'd all be issue 100. <laughs> It'd be Christmas every day if I was the king. It would get a little confusing for the news agents now, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> and the last letter here is called... Ho, 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 <laughs> Super Sonic Returns. Ooh. Dear Megadroid, asks Ali Al-Najjar, I am interested to find out what has become of Super Sonic. Could you ask the Humes when we're going to see some more of him? Ali's from Dagenham in Essex. What timing, Ali, Megadroid says. You can catch up with Super Sonic again in the very next issue for the start of a brand new three-part story (laughs) called The Hunter and the Hunted. Okay. Hello. I'm up for that. Yes. Double kitchen Sonic? Yes, please, and thank you. Well, if we establish it's a kitchen, we don't know that. Uh, it's a super Sonic story. It simply has to be, doesn't it? It's illegal uh, if, for uh, anyone else to write him, isn't it? Well, I don't know. We'll find out if the law is broken next episode. <laughs> also, some pictures. Probably should have done those before the other letter, because our, our excitement is just so high now. <laughs> and it's only going to come down. But we soldier on nonetheless. Anthony Bryant <laughs> from Stafford in Staffordshire has sent in Sonic on a moped. Turtle power! And it says on the caption, Sonic makes off with one of the competition prizes. Because uh, um, it's a bike. Yeah. It's a bike. It's, it's plainly not the sort of bike, though. Plainly a moped, Any yes. child could tell that it's not a simple push bike. Okay, so that's what that is. And then the other picture is from Louise Walsh in Dewsbury, West Yorkshire. Um, it, uh, well, what is it? So it's Tails, looking like he's standing on the ground, but I think he's actually flying in the air. He's got a little <laughs> under him and he's yes. whizzing his tails. He's, he's got his tails spinning and there's a little whoosh of air under him, so he's meant to be flying, but he is fully upright. And flying past in the background is a, is a plane towing a big banner that says, Sonic the comic is great. Yep. And cool air, it says, in the air. <laughs> and yeah. The air with a high regard of itself there. I, I, I think that's maybe the sun. Uh, orange with yeah. it's a big orange ball with a yellow swirl around it. Thanks, yeah, so Don't, don't and know why it, it says cool it air. It says cool air. I looked it up in case it was like a you know Nike Air Jordan. It or, seems kind of like a, a slogan of some kind, right? But didn't find anything because it's the words cool air. How are you supposed to find that out? Supposed so. to search that. Uh, yeah. Have you also searched within our mailbag to see if you can find anything? Nice. It's your letters. It's your letters. It's your letters. It's your letters. Welcome to the STCTP mailbag. Uh, you can send us things to stctpodcast at gmail.com. And uh, the magical animatron in oh. Wiltshire, Mega Drive 2 owner, has sent in this letter regarding the previous episode stroke issue. We should have put it in that, but we had a guest and we were running long. And he says, Hi, Chris and Dave. I've done... Hello. Hello. I've done some extensive research for this issue, as I'm sure you've already discussed Boomer David Mulgrew's letter, in which they ask for the story of how Grimer met Robotnik, (laughs) and Megadroid says that Nigel Kitching took the name Grimer from a character created by Mervyn Peake, also spelt wrong. Well, (laughs) we didn't pick up on that one. (laughs) No. Well, this comes up again in a later issue, in connection to STC Real Illustrated's very own Mr. Philby, 
SDC Reillustrated, where some of the uh, listeners to this podcast have been uh, redrawing various stories from the STC canon. It's really cool, and you can go and see them at stcreillustrated.card.co. That's two R's in the word card. And as we got discussing it in the STCR Discord, I decided to dive in and do a fact check. And to that end, I have read through the Gormenghast trilogy. Have you spotted my mistake? <laughs> I can confirm that at no point does a character named Grimmer or Grimer appear. I have attached a few choice passages, however, that you might enjoy. Oh, okay. Upon completion of my read-through of the Gormenghast books, and to put it politely, they are florid, I realise that at no point does Megadroid mention Gormenghast, and Mervyn Peak was nine in 1920, so I sought to find a complete collection of his poems to check those for Grimers. What the f*** is he doing? Everybody knows it's from Lord of the Rings. Whereupon, and quite unexpectedly, I stumbled upon the definitive answer. But for you, gentlemen, I'll leave it open to let you speculate and see if I can get relevant boomers to write in when this rears its head again. Okay, so we'll return to this for the answer. Keep up the great work, and then here are passages for us to look at. This first passage. Her mouth today was the colour of lilac blossom, very pale. When she spoke, her pale lips drew themselves back from her small white teeth and allowed a word or two to wander like a petal that is blown listlessly away. Her chin was rounded like the smaller end of a hen's egg. <laughs> egg like a hen's egg. Uh, here's another passage from later in Gormenghast. What was it that had fallen through the silence? Even the tree cat would have hesitated to drop so far through the green gloom. But it was no cat, but something human that stood dappled with leaf-shaped shadows, a child with its thick hair hacked off close to its head and the face freckled like a bird's egg. <laughs> <laughs> so, Animatron has left something hanging there. Evidently we're going to hear back from him. Uh, when uh, when this comes back later in the series. Okay, because, I, I mean, I do remember it comes up again. I do mm. remember Grimer Wormtongue mm -hmm. is revisited as a name. Yes. Much later in life. Much later, So we will yeah. see. Thank you, Magical Animatron, for your studious work. We do know it's from Lord of the Rings, though, so I don't know why you felt the need to read those books. <laughs> yeah, like everybody does, it's really famous. I'm sorry for you. <laughs> I thank you, but I'm sorry for you. <laughs> So if you want to join Animatron and give us your own research and prompts and letters, send it off to stcdpodcast at gmail.com. We've got one here called Kevin the Archist. Uh, it's, uh, oh. it's it's from a Kevin. Screen these letters better. <laughs> and it says, I recently caught up to the latest episode, so I want to write in and say how fun and informative this podcast has been. I grew up a Nintendo system owner. Well, I suppose you would as an artist. So the only time I played the Sonic games was in small snatches of time at store kiosks. Due to that, I wasn't very interested in the character and didn't know anything about his existence outside of the games. Oh, well, that's, that's fine. That's, that's a, a fine, grand existence. Yeah, yeah, it's not bad to know. Especially yeah. in America, yeah. Thanks to becoming a retro gamer as an adult, I learned more about Sonic and his fandom. This led to me hearing about the Archie Sonic comics. I was fascinated by their very existence and ended up reading the first 50 Count them. <laughs> 50. Count them. Count them. Yeah. Issues to get to Robotnik's death. So I guess that makes me an artist. I then learned of STC thanks to Dave's visits to Retronauts. Being American, STC never would have crossed my path as a child. So it's been a really fun experience reading along with STCTP and hearing this other view of the character. P.S. After reading about 90 issues, Count I felt like it was a shame not to own at least one physical copy. 
Oh, thanks to eBay, I am now the proud owner of issue 15. Hey. Thanks for the cool podcast from Kevin Fitch, not a Sega Genesis owner. Well, neither are we. No, we own the <laughs> real console. <laughs> oh, that's nice. And issue 15, that's the Green Eater. Hmm. And other stuff too. I don't remember what else is in issue 15. The Green Eater is in there. All right. Well, thank you very much for your letter, Kevin. I'm glad that we have been your on-ramp to the world of STC. And here's one called Thank You for the Podcast. It says, Hi Dave and Chris, sometime listener, first time emailer Luke here. I just wanted to write and say thank you for bringing us the delightful nostalgia trip that is this podcast. I stumbled upon your podcast sometime at the start of this year and have thoroughly enjoyed it. It's been bittersweet in some respects. Firstly, that as a 32-year-old adult male, it seems like it was only five minutes ago I was a kid reading these comics and playing my Mega Drive. Hmm. And secondly, it's led me to realise that I actually missed out on most of what made STC good back in its original run. Not to belabor a point, but... That's the problem with being a different age than us, which the purpose of this podcast has been to point out. It just <laughs> so happens that the bit we got was the best bit. <laughs> the reason for this, I didn't discover STC until January of 1999 at issue 149. Oh, gosh. There's an eight-year-old lad browsing through the comics at my local paper shop. The issue marked the start of the Shanazar arc. I remember finding the ordering of some of the strips quite confusing due to all of the reprints. <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing is, those who don't know their history are doomed to read the reprints. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then by issue 185, the entire comic became reprints, so I only really got to enjoy just over 30 issues of original stories. Of course, I didn't know this back then, and I continued to read some Well, that's new... it. I mean, you still yeah. got to read plenty of good reprints. Yeah. Well, I suppose I don't know exactly what they were reprinting at no. that point. They could have been reprinting crap! Yeah, and I don't <laughs> know... See, my really, my only question is, did they reprint them in some sort of sensible order? Good lord, no. I mean, at the very start, when they were just reprinting Sonics, I think they were all right with it. But later on, nah, man. Uh, but was it as bad as, like, you know, something from Return of Chaotix and then the start of Sonic 3? Or... I'm going to put it to you this way. Yeah. When they're in the reprints, they will be reprinting stories that we haven't reached yet. Oh, God. Yeah, that's how all over the place the stories are pulled from. Okay. Uh, of course, I didn't know this back then, and I continued to read some new and a lot of reprinted content out of order until the final issue, 223, as my mum continued to buy me each and every remaining issue from the same paper shop. This is what concerns me when we hear from boomers who were like, oh yeah, my era was the reprint era, and it was fine because I was reading reprints. I'm like, well, I'm glad it... I'm glad that it did feel fine to you, because yeah. to me, I'd be like... I'd feel like I was being gaslit or something. Like, just these stories just be... Because there was continuity in STC, in the, some of the stories that they were reprinting. And if that continuity isn't reflected in the order of reprint... If they had literally just started from issue one and reprinted the whole thing, even without the Sega Superstars, I'd have no problem with it. That, that would strike me as a good thing. I mean, apart from the fact that it replaced the actual comic. But it would make sense. Of course. Oh, well. I seemed to be a bit behind the Sega curve in general, as I didn't get my first Mega Drive until my dad picked one up for me second-hand around 1996. Oh, well, I mean, honestly... Yeah, that's the same as yourself. Uh, yeah, I had mine Christmas 95, so same. Listening to STCTP has not only been a warm and fuzzy nostalgia trip, but has also helped to bridge those gaps in STC knowledge that I've had ever since I was a lad back at the turn of the century. Do you know what? Never really occurred to me to think about that, but that is a service that we provide, isn't it? Like, yes, you can dig up the uh, scans or whatever, so you can just read it, but, like, having the podcast would drive me on, personally, to read the comic in a way that not having a podcast wouldn't. So, yeah. Mm. Um, and I'm sure there are more important things to think about in my 30s, but STC still holds a special place. Yeah, 
it's going to be up there. In my boomer heart. I can't wait until you start covering Shanazar. Curious to hear your thoughts. Thank you again. And that is Luke from Dudley, England. Well, it's a little ways to go before we hit Shanazar, but uh, that's one I'm a little interested to revisit uh-huh. myself because I don't feel like it's one that has a great reputation, mm. but I have no real like connection to it at all and no memory of it beyond like like one thing that happens in it. So I hope you'll stick with us until we get there. Think that'll take us to the next issue page, which isn't a very straight... This this whole issue is laid out weird. I know, no, this is really... Normally I don't have the same demands that you do about where next issue goes, but this is really weird. There are two full adverts after this. Yeah, things are like... So the first half of the issue, same as usual. Sonic feeds straight into Tails, no ads or anything yep. in between. Then there's the pinup with an ad on the back of one page and the letters page on the back of another. Then normally it goes into the third strip. And then between the third strip and the fourth strip is the graphic zone. But there's no graphic zone this issue because they've got a page for the competition. So the competition page comes after Speedline. So Decap starts a page later than where it normally would. And Amy and Techno starts a page earlier than it normally would. So the end result is that after you flip the page on the last page of uh, Amy and Techno, there's the next issue page, then the inside back cover is an ad, which the Beetleborgs ad again, and then the back cover is an ad. So it's weird, it's all over the yeah. place. And you'd be forgiven for thinking it was another ad for something as well, because it's such a crap-looking next issue page as well. Yeah, rather than layout, it's text on an, a single image. Fun with fonts. <laughs> yeah, it is. And it can be fun but mostly for the person picking them. It's a black page with a a sort of grey jack-o'-lantern backdrop. Because next issue is the Halloween issue in which a hundred lucky devils Mm. like a bird's devil. Like a deviled egg. Oh, like a bird's deviled egg! (laughs) Get the chance to party with Sonic at Fave Toy Haunt. Haunt Uh like a bird's haunt. Hamleys. And then they feel the need to mention here that transport and accommodation are not included. Like, mate, the competition's not until next issue. Can you hold your water, please, and stop ruining our excitement? Like, yeah, like, and uh, what is included then? Because you're allowed to go to Hamley's. Well, it's a, an, a that's a good point. Do you know what I mean? What, what's the competition? I would have thought it was an event of some kind that would be. I guess it must be I some guess. kind of ticketed event. Maybe Hamley's is closed that day. Well, well, we'll find out. But anyway, they're not transport yeah. and accommodation are not included. Not included so. anyway. Whatever it is, yeah. Plus, it's an all-new story issue. okay. Sonic. Supersonic. Amy. And Decap Attack. You will notice. No hot legs. Um. Hot legs was, it said it was going to be a bonus Sonic story, not the regular Sonic story. I've checked. Hot legs is actually issue 117. They goofed. Uh, They goofed on it. Silly. Oh, silly. And there's a ghoulish graphic zone, so we've got more pictures to talk about. Uh, oh, I'm lo- oh, I'm looking forward to that, actually. It'll be Sonic as a ghost and that. And, and that. <laughs> <laughs> That's STC 116 on sale Wednesday, the 29th of October, 1997, £1.25. So, when you're looking for it, when you're looking to get spooked, yeah. you'll be able to find it. Most places good podcasts are available, but you can also download it. I'm trying to think of a Halloween pun, but I can't get there. You know, if you want to buy a spooky issue of STC, you don't go on eBay. You go on Bottle Bay. Spooks. Spooks of Bottle Bay. No? Yes. No, no, yes. But, but no. (laughs) Well, whether you want to buy it or whether you want to listen to it or whatever you want to do, stctp.zone is where you'll find us wittering on about it. (laughs) 
You can follow the podcast on social media. It's over on Twitter at Sonic Podcast. It's on the other ones. We're on Blue Sky. We're on Mastodon. I think it's Sonic Podcast on all those, isn't it? Uh, yeah, and we're on them separately ourselves. I'm Demon Tomato Dave. I am at Chris McFeely, and you can find us on YouTube under those names as well. But I'll tell you, no. somewhere else you can find us. Yes, because we're coming on for Thought Bubble time. If you don't know, that is a comic convention. We're going to be there. We're not, we don't have an event or anything like that. We're just literally going to be there. Yeah. And we'll be at... Uh, my wife Abby's table of course she's a sonic artist she'll have some uh, cover art prints there for you so come and find us uh, we can't swear we'll all be there all the time because you yeah, all at the same time no this is the first time I've ever been to a thought bubble so they're gonna have to try and keep me chained down and not running around the place yeah or, or the opposite frankly there's room for two people behind the table and me and Abby have a job to do so I don't know what we're gonna do with Chris but at some point you'll be able to flag us down and see us there so yeah if you fancy what it actually is is it's a comic convention if you like the idea of uh, a comic convention that's not full of corporate stands but is mostly actual people who've made their own actual comics and are selling them and the other bric-a-brac that you sell at comic conventions then uh, you're gonna like that that's in Harrogate it's coming up well it's the weekend of the 11th and 12th of November I think it might be the sort of convention that has stuff in the days leading up to that as well so look into that yourselves we'll be there at the weekend and uh, we'll see you there but whether you want to come along and show your support in person you can also show your support for the podcast digitally through patreon.com slash stctp where as you all know by now a donation of any amount gets you access to the bonus vault looking at the Martin Adams Sonic novels and Dave's endless endless torment spiral his old teenage fan fiction from the 90s that I have to listen to (laughs) the chemical plant remix that I used on the Sonic strip this episode was Sonic Mania Chemical Plant Zone Act 2 16-bit Genesis cover by Isabel Chiming you find that on YouTube our theme song is Synchronized by Sonic the Comic the Band, but we have been Sonic the Comic the Podcast, and we'll see you next time. And if it's content that you want, by the way, and you've run out of STCTP episodes to listen to, you might be interested in uh, my other podcast, Serious Disney. We've got some episodes coming out at the moment um, called The Big Pile Trilogy, uh, which are three episodes that are about uh, a number of films they've been bringing out recently, some of which have gone straight to Disney+. Plus. And haven't done well. And it's a sort of a discussion, carrying on from what we were talking about earlier, of like, what is going on right now with streaming and Disney Plus and this this endless, the big pile of content that we all have access to and that seems to be sort of unravelling in their very hands. Um, if you want to hear uh, me and Jahan, who you might remember from the uh, Sonic movie episodes of STTP, talking about that, you can do so. That is Serious Disney. You'll find it at seriousdisney.wigglehee.com. Do you remember the Wigglehee website? Uh, or you can just find just, just Google it, Serious Disney. You'll find us there. So there you go. That's a bit of content you might be interested in.